Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast.、Uh, this week, or whenever you're listening to this, we have a special Pride edition of our usual show.、Uh, with me today, I have Tori. Hello. And we have a special return guest with us. We have Meta,、uh, the writer, fanzine editor, gender abolitionist.、Uh, they recently released Rebirth Dilemma, an Evangelion fanzine, and are currently working on the Onigiri Mia cookbook, a haiku fanzine. Hello.、Uh, hello, Meta. Hello, I'm happy to be here again. <laughs> yes, we're glad to have you back. It, it shows that we're not so terrible <laughs> that we can't get a return guest. <laughs> yes, you've, you've truly achieved something. And we also have a new guest of the podcast. We have Salvatore, aka Retro Sofa. He is a cutie honey expert and a webcomic artist behind the comic No More Mermaids, which you can read at tapas.io. So, hello, Salvatore. Hello, thanks for having me on. Super excited. We're excited to have you on.、Uh, I'm kind of glad I got you too because I completely was just like, I follow this guy for cutie honey stuff. He's gay. Maybe I should ask him to be on our dog and pony show. Um. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've literally, like, just sort of, like, cold called people, and I'm very surprised when they're like, sure. One fear. <laughs> hey, that's what podcasts are. Me going up to people, and like, hey, do you have an hour of your life to just、yeah. waste? Yeah, I have somebody that I've been dying to reach out to for an episode for, like, two whole months now, and every time I think about it, I start sweating and have heart palpitations. So I'll do、so、it for you. So the, fan-、right. the fanzine is all about, like, hey, I like your art. Will you please do this thing that is going to require a lot of time and minimal compensation for you? And、okay. yeah, yeah. We'll talk. People, we'll talk. People are down for it. So, like I said, this、uh, is our special Pride Month podcast. So, last year we had a Pride special as well. We interviewed David Wald about、uh, localizing LGBTQ anime, and you can listen to that. I'll put the link. For that interview in the show notes, but this year I wanted to do something different. This is actually what my idea for last year was before we、uh, got David on. So, all of us here in this、uh, Discord call that we're using to record this, we are all LGBTQ anime fans, and I personally feel like anime and manga and Japanese media has a unique relationship to queer fans, especially those of us who grew up watching it in the States. And I just wanted to get like a round table of various identities who are also fans of this content to come and kind of talk about how it has influenced their identity,、uh, various series or characters that have special meaning to them, and just like what it means to be queer in the anime community because it is a very, very complicated、uh, relationship that we have to navigate and negotiate all the time. So, with that, we're just going to break into the discussion and I'm going to ask. Uh, starting with our guests, because they should get priority,、uh, how did you get into anime? And we'll start with Salvatore. So, I'm sure a lot of gay men could probably say this.、Uh, I got into anime because of Sailor Moon.、Um, Sailor Moon wasn't my first anime. I, like, I saw plenty growing up. There was something called like, The Littles that aired on Nickelodeon. I've seen The Little Mermaid. I've seen.、Um, 
Speed Racer. But Sailor Moon is what really, like, got me into it. And that's what, like, led into, you know, going to conventions and reading manga. Um, so, yeah, it all started with that uh, with that pretty Sailor Soldier. <laughs> and how about you, Meta? How did you get to anime? Um, that's more or less the same. <laughs> the same answer. Um, I think, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. I'll say it again. I came home every day after school and ate my sandwich before going to figure skating practice for two hours. Mm. And it was usually Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon and Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon on Toonami. Um, And man, Sailor Moon was my hero. So it just started from there. And Tori, we'll we'll go to you next. Um, I think the common theme here is that Sailor Moon is brainwashing (laughs) children. (laughs) Um, Yes. Because... Other than Pokemon, like Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura are the two that I have the most vivid memories of. And I was like, well, if I can't, you know, go on a a nationwide journey at 12 with cute little animals, (laughs) I guess I can be a magical girl, maybe. Um, So kind of similarly, that's where I started to. I feel bad because as big of a Sailor Moon fan as I am, I actually did not watch the original, like, airing in the States at oh. all. Like, my journey with Sailor Moon completely began with watching fan subs of it online in, high, like, later years of high school. Um, I think it was because it came on, like, maybe at the point where I was aware of, like, anime that was airing on television. Like, it was on, like, later at night on Toonami. Mm. Um, my first uh, anime was probably like Dragon Ball Z which I I'm also kind of really into but people I think forget because I'm more into magical girls but I watch DBZ uh every day after school because my older cousin who I think he had a a weeb phase but he doesn't (laughs) want to talk about it because he was really into Dragon Ball (laughs) and he was also an only child who got everything he wanted so we got the cast-offs of his like stuff and he had like the the tapes I know he had like a dub of the tree of might on the vhs and like he had like the final bout ps1 game and so we got like uh the the cast offs of that and that's how i got into anime is through like vicariously through the stuff that he kind of either gave us as a hand-me-down or kind of showed us when we were younger um and then like i when i got older I wasn't so much into it, like, it was, like, a thing I saw, like, when I was younger, watching Pokemon and the like, and then when I got into, like, later years of high school, I told my therapist that getting into anime was my (laughs) rebellious phase, and he just laughed. Uh, But that kind of was what it was, is I thought getting into anime was, like, doing hard drugs, like, I was, like, suddenly on the streets (laughs) or something, because I was watching Oron High School Host Club, I thought it was a badass. (laughs) It's like all on late at night, and you're, like, doing something, like, that your parents don't necessarily know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I don't think it's impossible to say that uh, a lot of the early anime, well, early, quote unquote, like the anime community that we kind of came of yeah. age in. Like, like the, the 90s, like kids. Like, yeah, because I was born in 93, so I'm like kind of probably in the middle of the age range with all of us here. Mm. But that, like, that mid-aughts to late-aughts anime fandom, which was, like, very hot topic, very edgy, very, like, like, Everbescence just plays somewhere on a loop in that world. 
Um, I think I, I, I didn't have like a goth phase, but getting into that did feel kind of like, oh, I'm doing something, I'm doing something kind of uh, illicit or wrong. Well, 2000 was like kind of like this big anime boom for America. Cause that's like when mm-hmm. I feel like companies were starting to realize like, oh, kids will actually watch this. I mean, pe- people don't realize that like around that time, I mean, you could see anime anywhere. It was on WB11. It was on Cartoon Network. It was on Nickelodeon. It was mm-hmm. on Wham. Like it was, it was all over the place. And a lot of that, too, was just uh, the money, because it was so much like cheaper and easier to just redub something that was already animated and aired somewhere else. I mean, Power Rangers kind of proved, hey, we don't have to make original content. These kids will eat this crap up. Um, Sadly. <laughs> Sadly, look what happened. But the 90s dubs were so... Like, even if... I don't know, I'm just thinking back. The 90s dubs were so charming and had such a nice life about them, even if they were... You know, they were not true to the original or they were not culturally, like, relevant. Um, Mm. That, I don't know, I'm glad that I came of age in that kind of, in that kind of anime environment just because it really highlighted kind of how goofy but also how serious those shows could be, which felt really different from cartoons. Like the, you know, normal Western cartoons that were on, which are all either like macho macho men or really girly girls and awful there's just a whole generation of children who have grown up without hearing usagi wail oh darian and it shows (laughs) oh god i can hear that so vividly or without like i rewatched the digimon the digimon movie the other day Mm -hmm. and like those people clearly had so much fun just like making their own script oh it was wild and being like these kids have no idea what this food is in front of them so we're just gonna like (laughs) we're just gonna call it a potato milkshake like donuts jelly donut anyone I, I had a friend recently, uh, I think like just a week ago, he just started watching Sailor Moon and I like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, dude, I said, you're older than me. I said, you didn't watch this growing up. He was like, I think it's like an episode or two. And like, I, I think I, I let one of the, like the dub terms slip out. I was like, yeah, well, you know, the Sailor Scouts. And he was like, they're the Sailor Guardians. I'm like, wow, the tables have totally turned on me. But then there was also, I, I especially remember for Sailor Moon and I, I was talking to my friend about this. I'm not sure if I knew this when I was a kid, or if I'm just reading this into myself in retrospect, like Zoisite and Kunzite and then Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune, it, it, even though the studios clearly <laughs> tried to brush all of that aside or, you know, tried to make it something that would fly under the radar, like mm-hmm. those gaps in, in, the content you're being delivered and then the source content like i think that was such a fascinating in and and i think that has a lot of um a lot of parallels to fandom like translation is in its way a fandom um and just seeing those opportunities even if you know you weren't cognizant of them at the time i think is really empowering as a burgeoning lgbtq youth lgbtq youth lgbtq youth there we go. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll delve into this more because I'm sure Sailor Moon is going to be discussed um, until we're all tired of it. But I remember even as a child, like I don't think I was quite 
intuitive enough to realize that these two were supposed to be like romantically involved Mm. but when I started getting to them showing up more and it was like oh we're cousins I was like (laughs) I have a lot of cousins and we don't act like that Mm. (laughs) um yeah your kids are smart like you know something weird is going on like weird used in a neutral term like but you know that something is being communicated to you to you in a way that's not that's not necessarily accurate or like true exactly as a as someone who grew up in oklahoma and you know which is like the quasi south like that especially (laughs) is a (laughs) it's a i can never remember if i'm allowed to curse but that is especially a fucking like experience (laughs) um and i think like kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for and i feel kind of children growing up now with this new wave of um like cartoons here in the states mm. and even anime is it you know is more prevalent now than ever mm. on tv like they're they are more than capable of handling complex themes yeah. steven steven universe 100 <laughs> percent. i would have loved steven universe instead of maybe not instead of sailor moon anyway i'm not gonna make inflammatory statements <laughs> I think it's interesting that you bring up like the censorship in the original Sailor Moon dub because as someone who got into it um, through the subtitles, like through the original Japanese, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, I actually like kind of embarrassingly got into Sailor Moon because I was looking for like <laughs> gay anime content, and when I found that, I was like, oh, Sailor Moon, the first season has two villains who are gay and in a relationship with each other, and that is a major part of their characters. That's the entire reason I watched it was I'm just like, I am hungry for characters who I can identify with. Yeah. And um, even though Zoisite is uh, in the first American dub, uh, they change him into a woman, into a heterosexual relationship. Like, even the fact that there is a character who is undergoing, like, a gender change, mm-hmm. it, there is still something, like, weird. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's transformative. Mm-hmm. It is, and now that we have that that context of the reason why they changed it and the fact that the character was changed, it's like, this is, instead of a censorship, it's just making this character even more queer and even more... Yeah, like, it is its ambiguous. own queering. It's interesting with, um, with Fisheye, in the original dub, Fisheye got a similar treatment. Fisheye became a woman in the uh, Cloverweight dub, but Fisheye still appears physically male, and it's funny, because even though I'm sure that totally was not their in- intention in Canada... Um, they kind of made the character more progressive because, in a way, I like Fisheye is a little, like a little bit problematic. Although all of the Amazon trio kind of are in their own way, and I, in, in a weird way, by making Fisheye uh, a woman, I felt like it was kind of making it more. Um, I don't know, what, like more more progressive in a way, because you can you can say without a doubt that like Fisheye is a trans woman in the in the Cloverway dub, whether they intended that or not. Yeah, because there is that scene where it's the one where Fisheye is targeting the fashion designer and Fisheye rips off the, the dress that they're making and you see um, a male-bodied chest. Like, there are no... Huh. It is very clearly, like, animated that way. They don't censor that. At least in the DVDs, the terrible bootleg <laughs> DVDs of Supers that I had in high school that I bought off eBay from China But they, call, they still call her a she um, and everything. So it's, um, it's, and she even makes comments. She's like, well, I'm different. You they know? do. And I don't know. It's it's like they were kind of getting things under the radar. I don't know. The, I mean, the old dub was very interesting because they would censor mm. things and then do other things. Because if you, like, listen back to, like, um, Sailor Uranus, she says really gay stuff in the old dub, which is really cool. Like, they don't try to hide that. They're like, okay, we'll yes. do all the cousin stuff, and then she's still going to flirt with all the girls. I think, to kind of take this into... Sorry, the person who... The character who came to mind is... Is it Mr. Him in um, 
Oh, him. Powerpuff Girls. Is that? Oh, yes, him. The, the yeah, the him. Lot yeah, Mr. Him. I don't know. <laughs> him. But put some respect on his name. Please. Hey, he, you should respect him. He's great. Um, but I. This is an interesting conversation because this like inherent queerness to kind of bringing over. I'm gonna. I'm an, I'm academic at heart, so I'm using stupid words. But this, oh, this like the queering of content by virtue of bringing it from a, another culture and another language into like an inherently different corporate culture with different corporate priorities and a different language. I think you can kind of see the influence of the thinking of that behind in the Han- is it Hanna Barbera like those cartoons from the early two thousands like the Powerpuff yeah. Girls is like super anime influenced. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At its heart. Um, I mean, it is kind of like a Sailor Moon for, like, <laughs> very round-headed, short children. <laughs> anyway. I mean, but that is an interesting concept, the idea of, like, queering just by nature of, mm. of translation, of trying to decipher or um, mm-hmm. or contextualize meaning where meaning was not meant to be deciphered or contextualized, mm-hmm. like taking something from one language that was not necessarily meant to be marketed to the speakers of another language and still trying to kind of force a square peg into a round hole yeah. in a way. Or sometimes, and I, I think you kind of mentioned this, Sully, so forgive me if I'm repeating, but um, sometimes I feel like when they try to censor, like any LGBT character or content, sometimes they make it so much more prevalent Mm -hmm. that they kind of accidentally uncensor themselves. Yeah, Um, they draw more attention to it. Yes. I mean, you couldn't be a fan of anime or Sailor Moon on the internet in the 90s at all without being reminded, (laughs) hey, they're gay in Japan. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And that's just such a, it's such a lovely way of thinking, um... Uh, of thinking about fiction too. I, I, I'm speaking as someone who's really rooted in like the fan creation space. So just knowing that even the source content, like people get paid to like fuck with the source content, like great, <laughs> like we can do anything, right? Yeah. We can make it anything. I remember the big hubbub about when one of the newer seasons was released, like the whole re-release um, with the new dub and everything. And in the character dynamic book, they even tried to, in the year 2019, because I think it was last year, allude that once again, these two were just friends and not lovers. <laughs> oh, and I remember like, this. Do you really think people are going to let that slide? This was the hill to die on for decades. People are not going to let that happen and i think it was actually during pride month as well and i I really don't remember but um i know there was a huge uproar about that and they actually released a statement going you know sorry we weren't paying attention but i don't know i I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt with that situation i'm just like maybe they got a translator who they saw the word and maybe they were just like it's probably just like partners or something and they just do not know (laughs) who these sailor people are and it was completely innocent like that's the only thing i can think that happened because that dub has like gone out of its way to be like Kunzite and Zoisai are in a relationship uranus and neptune are in Mm -hmm. a relationship fisheye is a is a very queer character that we can't really put many labels on cleanly. Um, these characters are the way they are and we're not going to hide it. And I, I can't think they were trying yeah. to 
censor it. I, it has to be like a dumb mistake, like they said. Yeah. It's just like translation business and someone, you know, who should be editing, not editing very well. Yes. Um, and then I'm thinking of like other characters who maybe they weren't explicitly queer, like Uranus and Neptune. Um, but I, I, when I was a little boy, I loved James and Pokemon and he's mm. basically just, the dub makes him into Paul Lind and he cross dresses. And I love that thing on the internet. And I don't know how true this is where it's like, he has a, like a, a collection of the things you mm-hmm. uh, take off of soda cans and they're like, Oh, in Japan, that means that's the boys you want to kiss. And I'm like, okay, I get that. <laughs> so that's what all the like... <laughs> Like that trucker boys were doing in high school with monster tags. Well, queer okay, characters have always kind of been around in cartoons. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were always just kind of coded. Because I mean, like, I was rewatching Ren and Stimpy like last year, and I'm like, I can't believe how gay they were. Like, they were so extremely gay. <laughs> like, they slept in the same bed together, and you yeah. know, um, I can't. I'm trying to think of like other examples. I mean, there's other characters that like you know they have like you'll see like a male character with like very feminine tendencies like they're totally supposed to be gay but then you, you never say anything about it um it was like a very don't ask don't tell for cartoons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the and problematic part yes. yeah especially like yeah. queer coded yes. villains like jafar or ursula mm-hmm. being based off a of divine or like it's just like a oh, very, every Disney villain is gay. <laughs> every Disney villain, and like I once mentioned that in a graduate level class, and everyone was like, "I don't get what you're saying." I'm like, you, "Oh no!" I, am I being like, am I on candid camera? Like, you can't look at Sheer Khan and not be be like, "Who is this? This yeah. you know, flaming homosexual?" Like, that's just these characters are so like there's such a long tradition of equating mm. like men who are morally wrong with effeminacy, mm-hmm. and that has kind of been a thing in anime too like i think i think the only positive um not explicitly stated disney gay relationships timon and pumbaa and i'll, I'll die on that hill oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i mean you have like what nathan lane like right after the birdcage doing that voice they could yeah. not have known <laughs> what a um, relationship ideal i've never thought of that that's yeah, I, for, I forgot how we got on the topic, but last night Austin and I were talking and it just boiled down to, remember when Simba had three dads? Another, another kind of, I don't know, yeah, let's go with it. Another queer representation that I remember actually being impacted by when I was a kid was uh, Tsukasa in Dot Hack Sign. I don't know if any of you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Dot Hack Sign being about, you know, people in this massive multiplayer online role-playing game getting stuck in the game. And ostensibly, it's about this, this boy character who gets stuck in the game, but it's revealed that the person playing them in the real world is a girl. And just just that like little disconnect really has like stuck with me for, you know, what, 20 years now? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and just the idea that you, yeah, I, it's this is gonna sound basic and stupid, but just the idea that you can like present yourself as someone more like yourself online versus presenting yourself in a deceptive way or covering yourself up online, which is what my parents always thought people were doing online. 
I think that's a good point to kind of go into uh, the next topic thing I kind of wrote down, which is uh, what series or characters hold meaning to you, like, as a fan, or uh, what are some ways that manga and anime specifically have influenced your identity as a, as a queer person? I didn't realize that I started identifying in other ways, probably until about maybe mid-middle school years. Um, I kind of suspected it when I was younger because I always caught myself, like, looking at girls more than boys and things like that. And um, I will say that I have, like, no concrete definition of my sexuality. I used to kind of say, like, oh, I'm pansexual, but then... Apparently that became a very problematic way to identify amongst a lot of people. Um, so I guess my thing is kind of just like now, as I've gone through the years, I just understand that I like people if I like them, no matter what they identify as or how they express themselves. Um, and that's just kind of how I've come to feel about it over the years. But um, That's lovely. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um but going back to the the media influencing, of course I had that um, very strong attachment to Sailor Moon because I thought there were other things going on there that my little baby brain could not quite <laughs> piece together yet. Um, I would spend hours on AOL watching Cardcaptor Sakura AMVs because I was just like, it's really weird that Tomio like is just so into Sakura. I wonder what that could mean. <laughs> Um, cause that's not how friends act, but I guess as I got older, probably, yeah, mid-middle school, I found, uh, Ghost in the Shell, mm. um, standalone complex, and I saw the major and I was like, oh <laughs> my god, like, <laughs> she, <laughs> she's cool, she's badass, I love her, even if she wasn't those things, I still would love her, but just seeing her not... Um, kind of like you said, Meta, she didn't have to accept her body and was able to kind of have her more idealized self. Um, and I mean, there's a whole, like, you know, issue with that kind of, but, um, they actually erased some lines in English when they dubbed it about her confirming her bisexuality in Standalone Complex. Yeah, it's um, really upsetting. I know, and if I remember it correctly, it's one of those vague lines of just like, eh, I just like whoever, which, I mean, mm. it, it's fine, but, um, and then the real um, comeuppance was when I started playing Final Fantasy X-2, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, yes. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I do not know what it was about that game, but I just kept playing through it, and I thought it was so fun that, like... Um, you know, the cast is basically all women. Yeah. Um, you get to play dress up. And to me, that was so cool. It's like um, girl gang road trip. Yes. Right? And yes. And I was just like, I think I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, but that's, that's kind of how I contextualize it around that time. But um, any type of character, I think that can sort of feel comfortable in the body that they want to present in um, kind of really strikes a chord for me because I necessarily feel like I can't do that 
um, even trying to adopt in like gender neutral pronouns and um, sort of uh, present myself a little less femininely. Mm. And it still just doesn't necessarily feel right with me, yeah. but kind of living vicariously through those characters who get to do that, um, I think has just caused me to really latch on to some of those works. So that's um, yeah, I, I totally feel you with the kind of question mark of present of gender presentation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so fucking fraught and it's. I don't know. I mean, I I come off as a very feminine, like, dainty little woman. So it's it's just, I don't know. It's, it's fucking fraught. There we go. Yeah. And um, it's, go on. It's frustrating because society has such a clear definition mm-hmm. of what is and what isn't passing. Yeah. And I try very hard to not look at people that way because mm-hmm. I just remind myself of, like, everybody is in a different stage you don't have to fully you know go one way or another to have that respect that you deserve as a person um but i i think my biggest frustration is just the it's like you either have to look this Mm -hmm. way or that way and that's the only way we'll accept you as passing well that's the the gender abolitionist part of my (laughs) of my bio i know it sounds really like dramatic but it's from you know it's from the xenofeminist manifesto Mm -hmm. and it's just like fucking free people from this stupid binary that like governs our lives and just let them be like them in their own sense and i i you know to kind of take the torch from from tori like you in stars align recently was i think the first time I've watched an anime and said like, oh, that, that is me. Like that, I think that's the first time I've watched an anime and seen not, not just like my struggle with like gender identity or sexuality um, or LGBTQ issues, but just, just how rooted Akane, Akane Kazuki made the conversation around you in existence in, you know, questioning like what your purpose is and questioning like what you're supposed to do in the world like that's so much bigger than just like well do you like boys or girls do you identify as a boy or a girl mm-hmm. like it's just like that's not like it's like you know it after six years of doing religious studies it's like people will still ask like does god exist and it's like that's a really boring question yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, can we not <laughs> like that's a really boring question um and especially, I don't know, I've only recently really taken up the non-binary flag and my sexuality is like the biggest question mark ever. And I'm fine with that. Um, which Tori, I, like I said, I love, like you're attracted to people you're attracted to. Like who cares <laughs> what like group they fall into if yeah. you don't want to care about that. And that, you, yeah, sorry on. not to cut you off, but I think that's personally taken a lot of years to um, mm-hmm. sort of, except because back when I was younger and kind of going through all this, like my preference was women um, or other, uh, what's, how do I phrase this? Or just people who identified as like a non-cis male. Mm -hmm. And now for the first time in my life, I am in a long-term relationship with a cis male. And that's kind of Mm. presented, it's going to sound so bad, but this is kind of presented another set of issues. Yeah, that doesn't sound bad. It sounds true. (laughs) And um, I legitimately have had people 
that I considered friends stop talking to me because they're just like, how could you do that? That's traitor, tra- traitorous. That's yeah. not the word. I'm like. Maybe you it should, is. you should read Paul takes the form of a mortal girl. I know okay. shit is a bad word. My therapist <laughs> has told me to stop using it. Um, I know this isn't about anime, but everyone should read Paul takes the form of a mortal girl. It's about, a, it's about a person who can change, who can like literally change their body to match their gender. Wow. And they kind of navigate these issues. Um, but anime. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, anime, I don't think, I think it's taken me so long to like get, like I'm 20, I'm 29. It's partly, it's like, I should have this fucking figured out by now. Um, and I just kind of boxed it up until really recently. And I think it's partly because there's just been no 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 kind of visualization representation and media of people who kind of break out of no honest representation no like proud Mm -hmm. representation um who break out of this very silly binary that governs our world right and i i think it's easy to say that it's like oh it's okay to not have it figured out um, but I know but it I know sucks. It does suck, and it yeah. brings in like a lot of internalized feelings that sometimes mm-hmm. don't manifest in the best way. But I just try to remember, like, if I can see sweet old ninety-year-olds finally at the point where mm. they've like transitioned and are living out the rest mm-hmm. of their life comfortable, like, I'll get there when I get there. I guess. It's about the journey and not the destination. Yes. Tell me now. <laughs> so. Um. Salvatore, the same question to you, because we, uh, I feel like I'm trying to make sure all of our guests get equal, uh, billing and that I don't talk too much. Um, so for me, so Uranus and Neptune were definitely, that was, um, like the first, like, openly gay couple that I witnessed in animation. Um, and I, I remember reading, there used to be this website called Castle in the Sky, and they had, um, episode summaries of Sailor Unas, like, a couple of years before the, the dub came out. So I was like caught up and I, I, I think that's when I, I like found out what a lesbian was. I know it sounds bad, but I remember like <laughs> going to my mom and be like, what are lesbians? And she, she had to explain it to me. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. Um, and I'll never forget being 10 years old watching the dub on Toonami. And like, I think for like five episodes, they like kept it up in the air if they were like still you know lovers or not and then then the bombshell happens like oh they're cousins and it was like oh fuck you know i was i was more i remember screaming at my tv i was like 10 years old screaming at my tv um and then i don't know i mean like i'm sure a lot of people can relate to this it was being being a gay kid it's like i always knew that i was gay but i didn't really know um and like it's kind of like if you guys have ever seen um but i'm a cheerleader and she's talking about like how she has posters of women up in her locker and how she doesn't like to make out with her boyfriend. She's like, I thought everybody has thoughts like those. Like that's kind of how I was as a kid. Like I was only like checking out guys. I didn't think anything of it. I was still like, oh, I'm gonna you know grow up and marry a woman or something. Um, and in middle school, I started having like like otaku friends because like before then nobody really liked anime that I went to school with. I was, you know, I was like the anime kid. Um, and then I, I met all the um, the Yaoi fangirls. I don't know if that's problematic to say nowadays, but they were all mostly straight girls who, like, loved Yaoi. I remember thinking it was, like, ridiculous. And I would, I would, like, read their manga, and I'm like, this is so shitty. And then I remember thinking, 
I didn't say this out loud, but I was like, why are they so into like infeminate men? I'm like, because like Shomaru was really big for them, and I was like, I was like, you would think they would want to be with like a burly guy who's like, you know, got a hairy chest, and and then I then I realized I'm like, oh, I'm describing what I actually want. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was like kind of like my gateway. I was like, I was like looking up like yaoi adaptations of like manga that I knew about. Um, but the first. Um, the first, I think, queer series that I saw that I like kind of like heavily identified with was a uh, Stop Peabody Coon. Um, the 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 lead is was born male, um, but like presents as a, as a female, um, and is the heir of a yakuza uh, family, and their <laughs> family brings in this um, this straight boy named Kosaku. And Kosaku has, like, a crush on Hibari, but then, like, is, like, conflicted about it because he's always just like, she's a guy, she's a guy. But I, I don't know, like, I when I watched that, I, I thought it was just, I thought it was really cool because I'm like, well, I can tell that Kosaku and it's, really does care for Hibari. You know, he just is kind of, like, dealing with, I don't know, like, his probably his own sexual identity. Um, and then Hibari's relationship with his father really struck a chord with me because his father, like, it would drive him crazy because he would, like, call him, like, a hentai. He's like, hentai orome! Like, you know, yelling at him because he's wearing, you know, he's presenting as a woman. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they still love each other and he still cares about him. And it just, like, I don't know. It reminds me of, like, when I was a kid and I was always, like, a very, like, gay kid, whether, you know, I knew it or not. Um, and it would, it would drive my father crazy that I, like, loved mermaids. And, you know, he would, he would, spoiler, this is where the comic title comes from. He would, he would go, no more mermaids! He goes, Perke mermaids! No more mermaids! But then he would still buy them for me at the end of the day. Like, he would, you know, and I, I thought that always, I always, like, identified that um, with Step Hibari-kun. Um, and, it, and it's funny, because when I, when I got into Hibari-kun, um, this was, like, 2000 and, like, 2005 i was in high school and i think someone fans of like two episodes and the rest were just raw japanese online i would like watch it and i had like a tiny fan base of like american fans or like i can't understand this but this is cool um and now like in recent years like someone's fan sub the entire thing someone's translated the entire manga uh and i think that's incredible and it's mostly well liked i mean it's very problematic areas um there's a lot of things that are like very like have not aged well um but like a lot of a lot of queer people that i know in the community they they really love it and they really identify with hibari a lot and i think that's really cool hmm. um something else was i was gonna say about this um oh um this is slightly off topic but still regarding hibari kun so hibari kun was born male and presents as female and so there's always like been this like how he's a very queer character he's a uh, uh, uh hibari is a very queer character much like fisheye in sailor moon where you like you're not sure like oh like how would you identify that character um because i always identified hibari as as male and gay when i was a kid because that's who i wanted to identify with um and now of course like nowadays everyone you know they call him um a, a trans girl which seems to be the most appropriate and I thought it was interesting because the author made a statement and he said that he made Hibari because he frustrated that he was not born a beautiful girl. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. I was just, I was like, like, because that was such like an openly queer statement to hear from like an 80s magaka. I was like, wow, I was like, that's really fucking cool. I really like, you know, 
Hibari was like the really like that really I don't know helped me with my queer identity I feel like I mean I didn't I wasn't openly gay until much later but that really like mm-hmm. I feel like that helped me like kind of be like it's cool to be queer of a childhood trauma story so when i was a little boy again my older cousin who lived next door to us uh liked dragon ball z and got us into it and my favorite character was frieza and one that's very gay um as i have as i have have argued it's like frieza is one of the most queer coded villains and no one wants to talk about it because it would dare bring like a major threat of like a, a queer villain into the series but pink and purple looks like he's wearing lipstick like very feminine in japanese like that overly polite sort of you know a little too foppish in japanese and then played by a woman for the longest time an old woman like the joke about like gays and old women in english like i loved frieza and now i'm looking at it's like frieza is basically like a gay power fantasy like you're this tiny little effeminate alien but you can kill everyone who makes fun of you oh god Um, i wish God, what a mood. But when I was a little boy and we were younger, like, we would always, like, want to play Dragon Ball and, like, my brother would be Goku and my cousin baby. And then I was like, I want to be Freeze. And they're like, no, you're Chi Chi because you act like a woman. Um, <laughs> and that Aww. for the long. And they. I love Chi Chi. And incorrectly, they would say, because Chi Chi means woman. So that's why we're calling you that because you're a woman. And. That was, like, a huge thing for me is I never got to be... I never got to be the gay character because I had to be the woman that no one also liked. Like, I didn't get to be cool Chi-Chi with the helmet and the laser. No, I had to be the stay-at-home mom who everyone makes fun of. Um, just for doing her job and wanting to raise a strong family. Um, and that was probably one of the first moments. Like, Frieza and James, I think, were the two characters who, like, looking back... Like, the fact that James gets to openly cross-dress and it's never, like, seen as a weird thing, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, James in, like, the Swan Lake tutu outfit. Because I was also a painfully effeminate child. Like, my parents did not know what to do with me. Like, I had a mermaid phase, too, but I was obsessed with Ursula. I wanted to be an octopus more than anything. <laughs> so it's like, not only, does he want, not only does he want to be a woman, he wants to be, like, an old octopus woman. Like, what does... Like, Dr. Spock has no advice for that. Mine was fairies. <laughs> so. Fairies? Fairies. Oh. Yep. I was a unicorn, a unicorn child. (laughs) Um, But as I got older, so it's kind of interesting. Like I said, I was into anime without really knowing what it was. Like, it wasn't like, I'm specifically into animation that comes from Japan. It was just, like, I like Pokemon, and I also loved Clefairy as a child, which, again, more more questions. (laughs) More, son, why do you have to like the frilly pink thing? Why can't you like the Pikachu like all the other boys? Um, Clefairy's fucking awesome. Clefairy's a caregiver who can kick ass. And they're from the moon. They're aliens. Yeah. It was very, very my aesthetic, like a pink thing from the moon. Um, Clefairy aesthetic. I like it. But, um, 
when I got older, I kind of didn't get into anime. Like, I never got into Naruto or watched anything like mm. that. Like, I was very into, like, Batman and uh, old TV shows. Like, I, I became very other gay. Like, musicals and sitcoms from the 60s gay. And then <laughs> in high school, um, I started dabbling in anime. The first one I watched, like, this is an anime and I'm watching it for that purpose was Clan Ad. And then... Um, that occurred right around the time I started figuring myself out. Like, I had a huge crush on Tomoyo, uh, no, Tomoya in Clanad, the main boy, and I didn't know it was a crush. I'm just like, I like this kind of boy. I wish he would be my friend. Why do I also wish he would kiss me? I don't know what this means, because I, like, I never thought I would grow up to marry a woman. I thought I would just grow up and be by myself for the rest of my life, which is probably also something else for my therapist to work through with me. Um, what a mood, though. Like... That's, that's agreeable. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Um, but yeah, so I started, like, getting into anime right around the time I started figuring out, like, oh, I am attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting because it was also the time where I'm like, I liked pretending to be a woman a lot as a child. That might mean something. And dealing with, like, gender issues because I, I personally do not identify as non-binary uh, at this stage of my life. I usually just tell people I'm a man in quotation marks or um, I'm a man if you squint hard enough, like stuff like that. Hmm. Um, But I was always like very like I want to be a man sometimes. I want to act like a woman sometimes. Like make believe for me it was like there is no like boundary between wanting to be the Joker one day and pretending to be Catwoman the next day. Also (laughs) wanting to be Catwoman, another thing my parents were very concerned about. Um, (laughs) But... Uh, and then when I got to anime, there were all these characters, like, uh, and looking back, they're terrible stereotypes, like, the whole, like, evil villain who's a cross-dresser, but for me, that was so empowering, because it's like, these characters, they dress the way they want, they act mm-hmm. the way they want, and they're not, like, it's problematic because they are, like, being very non-consensual, but for me, it's like, they even say, you, man, I'm attracted to you, like, I think you're sexy, and it's not, like... It's so unabashed, and I kind of guess I needed that. Like, the whole, like, I like the hot guy. What's wrong with that? Like, I, it was kind of weirdly empowering. Um, we stand himbos in this house. We, we stand himbos. Like, I, I always make fun of people on Twitter who are like, this is my anime waifu, but when I saw Promare, I was like, you know what? That is a himbo of the highest order, and I'm here for it. It's like, God. that's my type. Like, just, you know, handsome and just completely and totally dumb. I'm glad we finally have an alternative to the waifu. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was just going to say, like, based off of kind of um, what you were just explaining, I think when we're younger and trying to figure things out, we sort of, like, take the crumbs as we can get Mm -hmm. them. And that's a joke I always love to make. I'm just like, oh, Disney, the crumbs, I'll take them. Um, Yeah. I really thought Elsa was going to be a lesbian in that new movie, but that's okay. Thanks anyway. Um, But... I think as we get older and we have a more formulated understanding of these things and sort of how, like, we know we need to be portrayed as people, um, you kind of just see, like, you understand more, rather, I guess, that's like, okay, I can look back on that character I was severely attached to as a child. I understand why, but I also understand that, like, that is not the best representation of me as a person or Mm. my life as an LGBT person, but I think that's kind of a good way to contextualize it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. 
I struggle to even, I mean, I just brought up him, et cetera, but I struggle to even like, I, I, I feel like a fake queer when I, when I say this, I struggle to even like think of like who I identified with in this, in these terms as a kid, like Tsukasa Mm -hmm. was obviously one of them. Um, but (laughs) the only, the other ones, the major ones that come to mind are the nobodies from Kingdom Hearts. That's valid. Yeah, which is, I laugh and it's hilarious, but it was because, you know, I, like, my, my dad died when I was 12, and I um, didn't want to exist, and <laughs> that's a great starting point from which to really explore your adolescent identity, mm-hmm. um, and then it, it it just became, like, the shell of, of appearance, um, so I, even though even though we have a long way to go, it is nice that we've come some way. It's my hopeful and vague, vague addendum to the problematic portrayal discussion. And maybe for me, like, I still love a lot of problematic characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't want, I will not go into a full conversation even though it's there, <laughs> but, like, one of my main things is, like, people who know me, like, Sully's really into Rocky horror. Rocky is uh, mm. very fraught. <laughs> But I love it, and, like, whenever, like, I was just watching a movie, uh, Never Too Young to Die, which is, like, this terrible, like, parody spy film with John Stamos, but you have Gene Simmons (laughs) playing, like, this evil, like, intersex drag character who's basically, like, let's take Frank from Rocky and make him dumber, and I was like, I love this, I love how stupid, and I kind of like how offensive it is, like, it's making fun of people like me, but there's something weirdly empowering of, like, these people hmm. think you're terrifying, like, they look at you and they think that you are, like, proof that God no longer looks at us with pity, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's very fair. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and something, this is something I personally struggle with a lot, I think we can sometimes take away some merit from something that's problematic, um... And, you know, there are some things out there that are just like, okay, that that's too much, and maybe we shouldn't engage with that. But I feel like, I mean, nothing is wholly innocent, and, mm-hmm. you know, I like a lot of media that I can find a lot of problematic things in, but at the same time, it handles a lot of um, heavy subjects well. Like, my, my go-to for that example is, like, always uh, the Monogatari franchise, where it's like, yeah, it's a little over the top with some of the... Um, salacious salacious hold on salaciousness (laughs) but um you know they they handle characters who are um you know lgbt or they handle things like assault in a very Hmm. decent way given the rest of the material and i don't know i think there's merit in that sometimes we can walk away from things that are a little bit problematic finding some sort of comfort or some sort of goodness to it if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and i think that like it's an ongoing conversation because sometimes it's not even grossly offensive it's just like this is the understanding that we had at this time period yes. when it was made mm-hmm. like i remember mm-hmm. i don't know if i was like into anime or like when like it was roughly around that period but i don't know if it was when i was like purposefully seeking anime out but uh, ovation which i found out still exists somehow it was the art channel um they had yes, that month of animation <laughs> Their month of animation, they showed Tokyo Godfather father subbed, and I love Hannah, and I know that she is not a perfect example, but I 
And I did not, at that time, when I was probably only, like, 12, have the conceptualization of trans identity, but it's like, this person has a male body like I do, but they don't act like other male-bodied people do. Mm-hmm. I really am invested in who this person is, and, like, just having her be dubbed by a trans woman now when the new G-Kids dub, like, having mm-hmm. it put on Blu-ray, like... I, I was really happy to see this Hannah love fest when G Kids got the license. I'm like, yes. I'm glad this character, who's only in one movie, like I saw it on TV, and I remember being so upset because I'm like, I I don't know why this person means so much to me. And I'm like, I now know it's like this is like a fledgling like possibility model that I can I'm crafting mm-hmm. like my own narrative on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say on the flip side of that, however, mm. I was doing some research early today, um, just kind of looking at like what the internet thinks are like good portrayals versus like bad portrayals of trans <laughs> people or just um, like the community in general. But needless to say, I found out that um, I know there was a lot of hubbub about um, a transgender character in My Hero Academia, which I'm not a huge fan of that show anyway as I've stated many times but um the one character I think whose name is Tiger um the author wrote that character's bio nothing more than formerly female until he took a trip to Thailand kind of like cheeky like it was written kind of cheeky and um I'm glad that he did not misgender the character in the latter half of that sentence but I just feel like that's such a antiquated stereotype mm-hmm. to have in like this decade by now i yeah. still have friends that make jokes like that like because that was mm-hmm. obviously before the pandemic happened i had like a lot of friends that would like thailand was like the spot for them to go and whenever every single one my hand to god i'd be like oh can you bring back a souvenir and they would always say something horribly Ugh. offensive um i won't repeat it but you can mm-hmm. figure it yeah. out um and i'm just like seriously guys i'm like it's the 21st century like come on Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I think uh, for me at least, being involved in like fandom and kind of this commu- this the anime community, you know, just like the LGBTQ. Yeah, I can't say the acronym. <laughs> Bacon last tomato. La 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 la, LGBTQ community. There we go. Um, it is like, and especially now that I live on the coast, like it is really unfortunate how a lot of the progress is really uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like when you look at Japan too in important ways. Um, and it's easy to forget that the world has not like moved along with you. Not to be depressing. But it is. It, it's super frustrating. Yeah. Like, as much as I often say, like, the anime community, another part of my coming out was actually, like, coming in the community where, like, going to a con where there's people in bizarre costumes and stuff like that in drag, and there are people, like, you see same-sex couples, like, Mm -hmm. just walking around, like, doing their thing, living their life, like, that's very empowering, and then the flips, and you think, like, in that mindset, like, you know, this community is so, it must be so open-minded, because, like, look at all these queer characters, look at all this wild, like, stuff you don't see in Western media, like, it must, and it's like, oh, no, no, it is, the like, you have some of that, and then, like, I have a Twitter account, I see, like, I cannot open my Twitter without seeing someone say something awful, or, like, saying, you know, people like that do not belong here, so it's a very, like, really? so it's une- like, I see it a lot, like, maybe it's because, um, 
I and I don't even personally follow drama. Like I do not mm-hmm. tweet my political opinions on Twitter. I do not like I, I purposely try to curate spaces, mm-hmm. like compartmentalize that and I still see like a lot of like you get I kinda see two things. One, like gays are icky, lesbians are mean, and mm-hmm. transgender people are icky unless they're like ugu waifu material and then it's my kink. Like that's pretty much yeah. what I get a lot of the time. Um, that fucking sucks. Yeah, I don't. One, one of the things I thought was super cool um, is might be slightly off topic, but because I, I before all this happened, I was able to go to Japan at the beginning of the year, and I, I spent most of my time in like the little neighborhood that they had. <laughs> but they there was like a lot of love for like bigger guys. Like there's like bara art everywhere. It's like all like Gengoro Tagame. I thought that was super cool because like you know being being a gay man, it's you kind of you kind of come across like bad stereotypes of like them being superficial like you're supposed to be fit or mask and yet you have in japan all these like posters and all these like kind of chubby gay guys being celebrated i was like that's so cool like you know i like you know i was like talking to guys on grinder over there and i like didn't feel like self-conscious or anything about my body type i I thought that was super cool because i know that like Mm. japan might or anywhere might, might not be the best with um acceptance or you know mm-hmm. being progressive in, within the community but i i remember that just always like stuck out to me i was like that's really cool and that's lovely and, and it was mm-hmm. kind of the opposite for me because like i often talk about like my conflicted like com- complicated feelings about yaoi but as someone who um does not i i will i will say my entity is is basically i do not strongly identify with masculinity or maleness um and in the gay community, that's you have two roles. You either get mm. to be a drag queen or you get to be the funny best friend on a mm-hmm. award-winning sitcom. Um, that's <laughs> basically it. And it was really interesting in Yaoi, like, as problematic, as problematic <laughs> as having very clearly defined, like, this is the man and this is the woman in this gay relationship. Like, it's like, oh, it's nice to see, like, non-masculine, effeminate men being told they're beautiful and desirable and not, like... Huh you know, fuck off twink or whatever. Like, it was also kind of, for me, like, a lot of Western gay media was, like, muscles and being a man mm. and not being too gay or, like, if you are too gay, like, you're an inter- you're a sexless, like, undesirable entertainer. You can make us laugh. You can, you know, you know, be a performer, but we're not going to see you as necessarily, yeah. like, a romantic partner. And then you have Yaoi, which, problematic as it is, it's like, you have these big-eyed, cutesy, feminine ukes, and they're like... Mm hey, we think you're hot. Like, we think that the fact that you're not exactly the uh, traditional definition of masculinity is what your attractiveness is. And for me, that was like, wow, maybe a man could think I'm beautiful for who I am. I was proven wrong, of course, but still. Yaoi opened up the definition of like masculinity and maleness for you. 
I think Yaoi and just anime in general did. Like, uh-huh. I go back to Oron. Like, Tamaki is a is a heterosexual cisgender man, but he's very... Like, if you did not know he was attracted to women, you would think this is a flaming homosexual. Mm-hmm. You have Ranka, Haruhi's father, who is a uh, bisexual drag performer. Um, I think that a lot of anime, because the, the men tend to not be... Like, you have your Fists of the North Star, you have your JoJo's, mm. although that is... <laughs> uh, uh, and what's wrong with it? And what's wrong with it? And then you also have a lot of characters who, you know, the Bishonen stereotype is very feminine, and it's kind of like that, like, all British men are gay to Americans thing. Like, I think mm-hmm. also a lot of men think all anime men are gay because they are less, like, traditionally Western notions of masculinity. Yeah. Um, I think that opened, like, a lot of... It opened... Uh. It was a double-edged sword because at the same time I found empowering, it also gave me body issues that I still grapple with. (laughs) Because I am no longer a, like, frail 19-year-old and I have to come Uh. to grips with that. Yeah, bodies are problematic. Yeah. I'm... Oh. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I'm kind of surprised, actually, that Kurama from Yu Yu Hakusho hasn't come up. Hmm. I don't. Does anyone? I I can go on with that you statement. You go ahead. It's been so long since I've watched that show. So uh, I rewatched it a few years ago. I actually, like, made a lot of my new like fandom best friends. That sounds so um nice. social through rewatching Yu Hawk Show. Um, but I. Why is that a I, show? Say really, it again. What, no, I'm sorry. My I was gonna say the only person that I really know that like ever really really loved. Kurama was my friend Alicia. She's a big time uh, fan of um. I forgot the author's name. Is it uh, Togarashi? He's married to Takayuchi, the creator of Sailor Moon. Yes, but, I don't um, know his name. Loves, yeah, yeah, she loves all his work. But like, she she was she used to be such a Kurama fangirl, and she always talks about it. It's like something I'm so obsessed with because I think when Yusha was coming out, she was like she was reading it in real time in Japan. Oh, um, but she's, cool. She's the only person I ever like thought of and. Uh, I have my other friend, a very good close friend of mine, Steve, he's also gay. Yu Hakusho is one of his favorites, but he never, like, I don't know. I mean, him and I are, like, um, night and day. Like, we have completely different tastes in men. I mean, I would totally date a guy like Yusuke or, or Kuwabara, and he is, like, mm. he likes um, that big cat guy, one of the saint beasts, he likes bears. But, yeah, no, Kurama, I don't think, has ever come up with me and, like, the gay, my gay friends. I don't, it's always been, like, um, like yaoi fangirls or, like, Bishonen fans. Yeah, I just remember, like, Kodama being this, like, clearly, like, effeminate, but fucking badass, and, like, very smart And the person. roses. Yeah, <laughs> and just being like, oh, can I, like, boy. I do, I do remember distinctly, remember, like, thinking as a kid, like, oh, can I, like, be that? Like, that sounds neat. <laughs> and, I mean, um, even with the roses, like, bada is, like, a slang term for gay in Japan, like, bada's oh. like, the, like, the rose tribe means, like, gay men, I mean... Interesting. I mean, I mean, I wonder what that says about Tuxedo Mask and Fiore then, but, you know, we'll let them figure that yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Kurama, oh. Kurama's, um, this is another thing my friend Alicia brought up. He's influenced a lot by um, Saint Seiya, like that author, because that yeah. author was, yeah. made a lot of, like, these shonen characters, even though they were still, it was still such a macho series. Um, mm-hmm. But I, like, you know, when you, if you read the manga, if you see um, Saint Seiya, it's very, like, theatrical and like there's flower petals everywhere yes um but you wouldn't think anything of it but i know i remember hearing like years ago that it it was like very popular with like um like bl circles i think clamp or somebody used to like do dozenshi based on them um captain Tsubasa was like another one that was similar 
Oh yeah. I, yeah, I recall that. And I will, um, like, I think, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm a writer. I write fanfic. I got sucked into the whole yaoi shit show. Um, I wouldn't call it that now though. We can, I'm fine with this being problematic. I don't know how I feel about it, but I think (laughs) part of the Kodama interest, especially from a writing perspective though, is like exploring the concept of like, you know, if you're like 10,000 years old and like a demon, like what the fuck does gender mean to you? (laughs) Like who cares, right? So I don't know. Life is a series of complex choices. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, though, and I was thinking about this over the past few days, I feel like the offerings have become a little bit better because I I feel like as I was growing up, especially in my teen years, if you wanted any stories that dealt with these things, um, mm-hmm. it was either straight pornography or mm-hmm. it was just messy, not exactly well thought out writing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are, you know, gems within the times, but... Um, I feel like now you see a lot more stories um, delving yeah. into not as many represented or not. Hold on. How do I want to phrase that? Um, I feel like you have more stories now uh, pointing out underrepresented identities. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the ones I want to mention later as like a story that provides good representation. Like um, they delve into characters who identify as asexual Um and things like that. So that's not really something you started to see um, mm-hmm. as prominently, I, I feel, until more recently. Yeah. So uh, the next discussion question I had was, uh, what unique roles do you think that LGBTQ <laughs> fans play in fandom, and what are some of the challenges we mm. face in particular? I think we <laughs> talked about some of this, but uh, I'm sure Meta being our sort of <laughs> fandom liaison <laughs> probably has a lot of opinions on this that they want to go into. <laughs> Um, do you have, like, three hours? Um, <laughs> man, I'm rubbing my face, because, like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I think I think it's been good that, like, I mean, all of this is qualified to mm-hmm. the end of the universe and back. I think it's, and I, I mean, I also don't have, like, a huge, I feel like I don't have a huge claim to any kind of platform, because only recently have I really, like, been like, oh, yeah. I'm queer. (laughs) Like, I'm a queer human being. I'm not, you know, avoiding this question. I mean, I guess avoiding the question is, like, queer in its own way. Um, Avoiding the question of yourself if you want to get into angst territory, but I'll spare the podcast, Heidegger. Um, Like, the fandom, it's been good that these companies are recognizing that people, like, want representation and want and want like more diverse stories. I'm glad we have a lot of shows on major networks that aren't about, you know, cishet white people. Um, Steven Universe always comes to mind. Um, it's exceptional, obviously, but, you know, even She-Ra and yes. um, the new, the Avatar, the le- legend of Korra. Is that the correct ordering of those words? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Not the legend of Avatar Korra. Um I think fandom has had a good influence, but I think within it, I just think that they're like, my, my biggest pet peeve is just the infighting over gender binaries. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, seeing ostensibly, I mean, who I assume are straight writers arguing over like, who's the top and who's the bottom, but that's like a perpetual 
like that's just a perpetual problem i guess in all humanity but just like like when i when i read fan fiction from a writer's perspective it's just how much we rely on no matter how you identify no matter who you are just like it's upsetting and problematic how much people rely on very cookie cutter shapes for experiences and the people who live them. It's upsetting. Like creation is about examination. So let's do a better job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel so detached. I'd be be interested to hear from Salvatore too, since you're an artist. I was, I was saying, I feel like detached from the fandom. I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't know. Cause maybe it's cause there's not really like, like, as active as a fandom for like this series that I like, mm-hmm. um, or maybe cause I just stay out of it. Um, I mean, cause I'm like barely in the Sailor Moon fandom, um, anymore just cause like, it's, yeah. it's a little ridiculous. It's pretty small nowadays. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think, well, one of the things that has always like, kind of like bugged me, um, with that is that I feel like a lot of times there's like a very forced narrative from fans. Um, like one of the like especially like with with sailor moon like there's so many people that i like like uh because there's a message board that i that i still go on every once in a while and like they'll just ask the most ridiculous questions and they'll say like do you think that maybe you can consider that so and so is considered this that or that or like you know and it's yeah it's like okay this was a 90s shoujo manga <laughs> obviously it was progressive in some areas and it, it dealt with a lot of like strong queer themes i said but like I think you're really overanalyzing or like really forcing mm-hmm. like a narrative on it. Um, mm-hmm, like there's still mm-hmm. so many people that talk about like Usagi and how she thinks that Ray's pretty when she first sees her and they just like run home with it. And it's like, oh I, I just think it's yeah. a little too like you're trying to see something that isn't there. And it just, it makes you think about like in the early two thousands, people used to argue that um, Uranus was, christian because she wore a crucifix like it's just that i just think that's a new one it's kind of like this force (laughs) yeah narrative so that i don't know and it it brings me back to um which i kind of like mentioned earlier like when i discovered yaoi it was like through girls at school who were mostly straight and they just yeah like this weird like fetishizing (laughs) Mm. of gay men and there was one girl that i went to school with and she i swear to god this is a true story she had a crush on a guy because she thought he was gay. And then when she found oh. out that he was heterosexual, she, like, lost interest she in him. She didn't like him anymore. I oh, my God. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I, like, I couldn't... I It was just... Yeah, it was so... Yeah. It was so bizarre to me. Um, it's demeaning. Yes. And, like, sorry, as a as a writer, <laughs> like, that's, de- that's demeaning to your subject. Like, ugh, sorry, I don't mean to... Yeah, no, it was pretty, yeah. It's just um, demeaning. It's not... It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of um, somebody I used to be friends with who was a very uh, radical Yaoi fan to the point of, like, mild fetishization. <laughs> and it got brought up in the conversation one day about how she was literally consuming all of this, doing the thing where it was, like, intensely reaching to justify things that weren't necessarily there mm-hmm. and um literally uttered the sentence but yeah i think lesbians are absolutely disgusting oh my god yeah that's <laughs> so i i think like from a uh, if i if you're labeling me the fandom correspondent whatever <laughs> i'm so sorry um, i've given you this terrible burden <laughs> yeah the cross the cross i bear <laughs> no it does feel like does that cross. mean you're christian 
<laughs> That's the fucking question too, isn't it, man? I don't know after that Evangelion zine. Maybe I am. Um, <laughs> where was I? Where was I going? Um, oh yeah, just it's not just the lack, and I think maybe you know I don't like blanket statements, but maybe this is a good blanket statement. The lack of awareness where where the the source matter ends and where your analysis and your kind of running with it begins, I think is the problem. And the, the lack of awareness of where, like where, you know, when you see these like really hor- like horribly, I think horribly written, like, you know, slash porn fanfics where it's like, Oh, one of these male characters is like an author insert. And like, it's, it would be fine if we recognized it. Like it would, it would not yeah. be fine, but it would be a lot better <laughs> if we were just like, yeah, I'm using this, especially from a, you know, I think I'm a political woman, no matter how much I identify as non-binary and don't really like my uterus, etc. Um, it would be fine if if we just had this recognition of like writing, like I know I'm I'm speaking to two gay men, but I think your bodies and your sexuality, like, male sexuality is inherently less fucked up than mm-hmm. women's sexuality because no one taught me that I had a clitoris and, like, yeah. what? <laughs> um, but, like, if we recognize that Yaoi has this weird and perhaps not great use of women being able to, like, explore sexuality without, like, womanhood... <laughs> Like, that might be a little better, but we no one does that, so. Mm-hmm. To kind of go off that, like... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm open to criticism, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, I agree with you, yeah. because I always tell yeah. people I have a very complicated relationship with... I, like, I prefer the term BL, just as a general thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I, even Yowie, using lighter. the word Yowie here has been like, wait, <laughs> I don't know. I have a very complicated... And one of that is, like, I think the people who are anti-Yowie... Like, I've noticed that fewer gay men are actually because i think most gay men do not know what the hell it is like i think yeah me and salvatore were both to go into like a gay bar and be like do you know what yaoi is they would all look at us like we have just <laughs> been down like, from Mar- like but, no. usually they just say hentai but, like when i get people my they, comic and they read yeah. it they're like hentai. Is hentai i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> it's not yeah um i was gonna say to backtrack slightly um off of that comment that I had made from that person, you always see it on the flip side, too. Like, cis men completely, completely, completely objectify the hell out of lesbians as long as they fit into their preconceived, like, conventional beauty standards. Whereas, like, if it's a more masculine lesbian or if it's a gay man, they're just like, absolutely not. Get away from me. I hate you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, I mean... Like, speaking from the writer's terms, again, it's just about this. It's, like, really upsetting to see people not letting characters be, like, fully human. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong, like, like, uh, Meta was talking about, like, the idea of, like, this is an expression of, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, some, like, dumb young teenage person like writing dumb fanfic because they're going through their awkward period like i can hey you're talking about some people here yeah yeah. like like i have no problem with that like i do not necessarily have a problem with with female identified people who enjoy like 
the, the well, gay male romances or sexual encounters that happen in BL or Yaoi, mm. I think my issue comes with, like, like, I think it's sort of a, like, middle ground thing, like, not getting so, like, caught up in it and mm-hmm. being okay with it, and then also, like, not, I think I was reading a comment from someone who is a gay man who is doing, like, actual academic research on BL, like, a friend of mine linked me to his research mm-hmm. and to his Twitter, and I, I agree with something he retweets, like, the anti-people are just as bad because a lot of it seems like it's more, it's, again, I see very few gay people identifying as gay or bisexual mm-hmm. or, like, men who love men. I'm seeing less of this, like, I think and, you're yeah. just... At mad at these people that you don't like, not necessarily angry on the behalf of the community that you say they are oppressing. And yeah. I and I also say, like, I, again, when I was a dumb teenager, I preferred reading stuff that was closer to that because I felt like I personally, me, only me, was better represented by this content than I was seeing in, like, Western media, where, again, like... It, the gender binary in a lot of BL is reductive, but sometimes it can also be, like, if it's weirdly empowering when you're not someone who identifies as mm-hmm. entirely within a masculine paradigm. Like, it's kind of nice to be like, there are pretty boys in anime, maybe I could be like that, and that could be my model of expression. Maybe I mm-hmm. don't have to be, like, a jock or whatever to feel like I belong in my identity. Yeah. I think it, um kind of boils down to an empathy issue as well yes yes um, Sorry, that's, that's exactly where i was, my head was going. <laughs> okay good Go on. same thought um i feel like hetero people just look at gay or however identifying other than hetero people um as just objects it's like you know they see us nothing more as like hypersexual beings that are just objects and um I was watching a video earlier about, um, there was this guy, he lives in Japan, I believe he's half Japanese, but he made two separate videos where he interviewed, um, straight identifying people, and then he had a video where he went to the, um, one of the larger pride festivals and interviewed LGBT people, and, um, most of the younger, most of the younger kids were pretty open-minded, and there was even a mom who was like, you know, I think the character of my child is more important than their sexuality, mm. um, which we love to see it, but, yes. um... One of the younger men that they interviewed, um, them and an older pair of gentlemen were very surprised that, like, one out of ten Japanese people identify as LGBT or other. Um, And to Mm -hmm. me, that seems kind of low. I just feel like people aren't honestly um, Mm -hmm. reporting those numbers. But um, to go back to what I was talking about. Or they might not have the, the spot on this survey that is them. Yes, and that's also very true. Um, But one of the younger men was just like, I don't know how to identify with a gay person or I don't know how to relate to a gay person. And, you know, that Mm. just boils down to basic empathy. Like, Mm -hmm. you are supposed to, on some level, you know, try to understand people who are different than you. Um, And... I feel like, especially in media, if you can write these characters very well, if you can make them strong and not just dumb their personality down to like, I'm gay, I'm trans, um, maybe that'll kind of help alleviate the issue. Um, But like I said, I think it just all falls back down onto a level of like, people Mm -hmm. do not know how to have empathy other than in situations where it makes them look good. (laughs) 
Which isn't um, really empathy. (laughs) Exactly. Of something Salvatore was saying, like, the people in in fan forms were like, do you think possibly considering, Mm -hmm. it's like, I get the need to read into characters, but I'm very into, like, death of the author. It's like, yeah, if you want to be, like, if you want this character to be gay, go ahead. If you want to be trans, just do whatever. It's my literary analysis, and I say who's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, you kids, I know you're looking for the crumbs. I've been there, too, but, like... Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not that, like, it's it's that deep and also not that deep. And I feel yeah. like I also will be like, if you want these characters so badly, like, writing is both very easy and very hard. Like, sing the song in your heart, be free, little songbird. Like, do whatever. Um, yeah. I see so many people are like, I need this character in this show that I love to be exactly like me. And my answer to that is, maybe what you have here is you have a character inside you that you need to be creating. Like, yeah. I hate when people are like, if you want something, just make it yourself. But at the same time, I'm but, like, it's very easy to, to just try. But not even, so... Yeah, so I, as a fan, I'm totally, like, there's such a value to someone at corporate Disney just coming out and say, yeah, Elsa's, like, a lesbian. Like, that is, like, a real moment of recognition. But as a creator, like, when I write, like, my my original fiction, <laughs> it's, like, like, yeah, I want, I, if you put me under, like, FBI interrogation... And like ripped my fingernails out, I'd be like, yeah, fine. I, I'm writing about a non-binary character, but people on the like when people ask me that, I don't like want to answer. I just it's like, what do you what do you see there? Mm-hmm. What do you get from it? What does it tell you? Like, what do you want it to be? Like, works aren't. I mean, the word author is a shitty word because it implies authority and like this this person telling you like here is a, I think I think author is like a really outdated word. Actually, that's my new hill. I'm gonna die on it. Like I die on every fucking hill I find. I just have hills on hills on hills. Um, but I think author is a really outdated word, and the the beauty of kind of the, an archive of our own is is really elevating this concept of transformative. Like creation is about making a place where people can inhabit and play and and build their own understandings not only of like the world inside of that creation, but themselves and what they take to the outside world. So yeah, the, the, like, we must interpret this this way and it must be this way and it must always be this way. And anyone who says it's not this way is wrong. is like, so it's just so fucking boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fundamentalist. Like it's like the same as the Bible people. That's what I call them. It's also one of those things where I'm like, you know, they might not say Elsa is gay, but don't we all just kind of know? Like, isn't that just Elsa's like pretty, a, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> one of those, it's like, you, you know, do you need, do you need Disney's, do you need the mouse to tell you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is that actually going to do if they come out and say that? Like, I mean, it might, it might scandalize my uncle in Oklahoma. And, like, I always, make him think the world is coming to an end, which I, I always like it when he thinks the world is coming to an end. I always love those yeah. things. It's like, I want this character to be queer so my parents will love me. I'm like, no parent is going to love you because... <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, like, because Disney made a queer character. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I get, like, the, the, the fact that media, per- yeah. like, portrayals of queer people, like, do help educate people in a roundabout way, but never have I seen someone be like, I hated my gay kid until I found out that Snow Woman from the Disney <laughs> cartoon was a lesbian. <laughs> Uh, and damn, do I want my my kid to be like the Snow Woman from the Disney cartoon? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to be Elsa? 
the, the sort of last two questions I have, we're gonna just kind of combine them into one, is like, um, how can we make the fandom like a more open and accepting place? And I think we've touched on that a bit, and uh, what are just some anime or manga that you recommend, like, for either their explicit queer themes or their readings therein? I, I, you know, I have a Twitter thread on this that I wrote, and I've already forgotten what it says because I wrote a Twitter thread on it. I think people just need to stop thinking that people are coming after them all the time and that they're coming from, like, a negative place. And I think this kind of goes as a broad, as a broad topic. Like, I think the fandom community is pretty accepting on an LGBTQ level. I don't think it's, like, accepting on a fundamentally human level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think people need to learn how to have empathy. I think people need to learn how to, like, take criticism and grow and they need to learn that there's not, you don't just, you're never going to reach a place where you're good. Like you're never, well, you're never going to reach a place where you're like, you never need to change again. Like that's unfortunately, it's not, it just isn't going to happen. Um, I think people would go grow a long way. That's not a sentence. I think people would, would get a far if they just let themselves be a little more generous. So that's my prescriptive bullshit. Um, do you want me to answer the second question? Sure. Two? Okay. Um, um, Stars Align. Everyone should watch Stars Align. It's great. Um, not only for you, who is this beautiful like depiction of non-binary exploration and like a refusal to... even He doesn't even really claim the term non-binary. He claims the space to question... And I'm saying he because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, they claim the space to question, like, who they want to be and who they can become. And obviously, even LGBTQ people aren't immune to falling into their own bad habits as they were raised. Um, stars align. Dot hack sign. Just because it's such a such a. Life in the early 2000s was online. Life now is like way more online. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think the people in, who made Dot Hack Sign like anticipated that. I think they thought they were making a fantasy. Um, Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> definitely. Um, and just anything, anything that like speaks to people, they should watch it. And if they think it's LGBTQ representation, like they should feel fine thinking that, even if people tell them it's not. Uh, Salvatore, same question. Um, uh, how do you think we can make the, the fandom a better place? And is there anything that you recommend people watch or read? I think it boils down to just being more open-minded, being more accepting, um, being more educated, I think, is the biggest thing. Because it, it still bothers me how much problematic language I see fans spewing. Um, I had a friend confess to me that he was attracted to trans women but he didn't use that term of course he used a very outdated term and you know i had to explain to him like that's not you know and then i also had to explain to him like you're kind of fetishizing and Mm. you know um so i think that fans just really need to benefit from just educating themselves um i mean this goes for fans or non um I, i mean i think that companies in general are also doing like a better job just being more aware i think like watching the type of language they use um uh, one, one of the other things that I do is that I do uh, subtitle checking for discotech and surprisingly, and I always forget about this, a lot of us are actually queer on the team. At least three of us are. Um, and our one subtitler is very, um, 
what's the word is is very careful about like language used um because there there's um if you guys are familiar with mazinger z there's a character that is one half male one half female and they're always like they were always very um careful about the type of language they would use um there was um i forgot i think i don't know if Mm. it was devil man or if it was something else we used but they used the term okama which is kind of like this weird kind of derogatory umbrella term um and like trying to figure out how to translate that was like interesting because i think originally they had it Mm -hmm. as just gay and i'm like well it's not really but like you don't want to say like fag or something um so i think what i did was i sell on homo so it gets the it gets the it gets the point across it's not the best thing to say but it's not terribly Mm -hmm. offensive um i think even something came out recently with funimation like people were giving them slack because they translated something a certain way yeah i mean i don't i don't i mean again i'm like totally like detached from the fandom i can't like i went to anime expo like three years ago and i only went for like panels so i can't like i don't know i'm so like not involved um so since i'm clearly rambling at this point let me go to my recommendations um well, as I mentioned earlier, Stop Hibari-kun um, is a really good uh, manga and anime with uh, queer themes. There is a lot of like things that have not aged well, but it's but it's it's still really good. It's um, and Hibari is like a great character. Hibari is probably my favorite like queer um, protagonist. Um, another one which I'm I'm so mad I didn't discuss this earlier is um, Tezuk W manga. That one was a really big deal for me. Like I. I, I love that. I, I'll try not to talk too much about it, but I got into it when I was in college and like I was still like kind of just not sure if I was like okay with being gay or not because I was like in that weird area where I was like, oh, I'm going to say that I'm bisexual, so I'm half normal because that was young virgin Salvatore's mentality. Um, but MW is, is great. It's essentially um, a Hitchcock film in comic form. Um they have two. They have two queer characters, um, Michio and Garai. They are literally the worst human beings in the in the history of fictional characters. Like they are terrible, terrible people. But goddamn, they are good characters. Um, so definitely recommend that. I'm pretty sure it's still in print. It's it's really good. It's very gruesome. So there is like there's a lot of um, intense material in it. Um, and then an, another one I want to recommend is, uh, it's not, again, it's it's totally, like, dumb. It's totally, um, uh, like, a guilty pleasure. I love his favorite. That's, like, the only, like, like yaoi I've ever really gotten into. Um, I, I think it's very cute. It's very funny. I like that um, the main love interest is a very unattractive young man. I think that, that, that really sells it for me. Um, and then finally... Um, it's like the one Gengoro manga that's not like graphic. Why can't I remember it? Is it the it's, one like uh, my brother's husband? Yes, yes, that one. It's the one that yeah, oh, yeah. that's the one. Highly recommend that. That one's very. It's very heartwarming. It's very good. Um, if you have any shitty um, homophobic relatives, you should buy it for them because <laughs> they can learn <laughs> a yeah. thing or two. Um, but yeah, I think that's those are probably my um, recommendations. I cannot believe we went this entire podcast without mentioning Baron Ashida from Mazinger Z. I feel like I committed a grave sin. I, Because I, I, it's so weird. I don't know. Well, it was funny because I watched the Transor Z dub the other day for the first time, um, which was like the really heavily 80s. Um, and it, like, 
a dub for it. And like they, they address that he's two different genders of his surprise. I mean, they don't use the best phrasing. They, but they, they refer to him to like, is both, uh, I think they call him like a he, a he, she or something like that. Something so weird and outdated, but they have this great line, which I, I do really love. He's both a man and a woman, but the worst of both. <laughs> I want that on my business card. That, yeah. uh, for those who don't know, Baron Ashida in Mazinger Z, I don't think it's a spoiler, is literally two characters, one character who was a man and one character who was a woman. They died, they brought them back to life, and Frankenstein, <laughs> the two halves of the two different bodies together into one character, which is a very dumb go-to-guy thing, and I love it. I don't know why I love it. It's like, this is so me, because it's like gender ambiguity in the stupidest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tori, your uh, recommendations both for improving the community and uh, stuff to read and watch. <laughs> um, stop arguing with shitlords on Twitter mm. um, because you are just giving them traction, essentially. And I know there's a very um, dark and very depressing side, especially on the internet, of like anime fandom. And, you know, they're always thinking we're pushing an agenda and whatever um i say pick up an american comic book and then you know we'll see who has an agenda um <laughs> but i think just being nicer to people um and i think that's kind of the resounding sentiment that we've all shared and um you know kind of give people a little bit more of a softer space to mm -hmm. grow like i for instance get very frustrated whenever I see like 12 year olds running around with like the trans flag on their back like a cape <laughs> um that's not always my favorite thing but you know if they're young and this is how they're already feeling yeah this might be a little odd but if that gets them to the place where they grow into the person that they are that's that's fine by me sure um but I think just being kinder is mm -hmm. sort of the mm -hmm. bit of advice we should use for everything um, I'm big on empathy, um, but I guess for recommendations, I've not really been good about reaching out and looking for content. I definitely have a list of things that I want to, like, knock off, um, but I would really recommend Our Dreams at Dusk. It's a four-volume Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, you can get through it really quickly. Um, and sob like a little kid at the end. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the artist is actually identifies as ex-gender, which is kind mm. of like the non-binary term in Japan. Um, and they basically said they used a lot of, like, their personal experiences, um, either theirs or people they know to sort of write some of the, um, scenarios that happen in the story. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it kind of ticks off almost every identity um, mm -hmm. in one way or another, which is, I know, important to a lot of people. Um, this one is kind of like on a limb recommendation, but I really enjoyed Land of the Lustrous and the fact that they literally um, identify every gym person <laughs> with they them pronouns mm. even in the even in the subtitles like it is it is like concretely um where can you watch that uh is it I on crunchyroll like, i feel like amazon prime okay. is the only place that has it right now um i can't remember off the top of my head but i feel like that is where i watched it um i know some people oh, kind of yeah. 
feel uncomfortable by the fact that a lot of the um, gems look hyper-feminine. Um, but once again, I kind of fall back on there's really no wrong way to present yourself if you identify as non-binary. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was very reaffirming to constantly hear so many characters referred to as they, them, they, mm. them. Um, other than that, I really enjoyed uh, Bloom Into You. Um, that was a fun and sweet show that also explored some other uh, sexual identities, um, but the main couple it focuses on are lesbians. Um, I would like to see, personally, more shows that center around adults, and maybe that's mm-hmm. just from my lack of research, but a lot of these things are geared towards high schoolers, not to say, you know, that doesn't help me um, classify some feelings, but... Um, other than that, Cardcaptor Sakura, Sailor Moon, and I just started watching Kase-san and Morning Glories earlier. I'm not finished with it, but I really like what I'm seeing. And once again, that focuses on um, a lesbian couple, and it is very thoughtful and very sweet. And apparently the manga um, dives into some more like intimate issues, and apparently they're handled very respectfully and very well. So I'm kind of excited to continue with that, but that's all I got. I have one to add. Okay. Which I'm surprised also didn't come up. Wondering, uh, maybe someone did say this, Wondering Sun, which is definitely, I don't, I think it's geared toward adults, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's very much about handling, like, how children handle handling as adults how children handle these questions as much as it is as it can be about helping children understand them themselves mm-hmm. so yeah wondering son is great I guess my advice for making the community a better place, uh, how can I put this? I am a very non-confrontational person online, and I, I kind of echo Tori's sentiment of, like, you, it's not worth it. Like, I, if I see someone, like, saying something very, like, if I see someone saying something, it's like, this person is beyond what I can offer to make them a better person, this is not, like, this is above my pay grade. I, I either just ignore them or I block them. Like, it's just not worth... Uh, I feel like you a lot of people tend to look for the negative, and I try not to do that. And that's more of, like, an online thing. But, like, I when I think of this question, I think more of, like, in person, like, at conventions or um, things like that. And I think it's just existing in the space, for one, because, like, me and Tori, like, do panels with the podcast group, um, we are the only, to my knowledge, currently, we are the only queer people in the group, and I think just us, uh, doing panels and, like, speaking both about, like, issues that we deal with or have interest in as queer people or, like, completely unrelated to that, I think is very important. Just, 
like letting people know that we're here and we exist and that is both for like non-queer people who you know kind of need to see that we're into this stuff too and that we have a valued place but also people who uh like younger fans who need to see that yeah we're here it's okay so i guess that's my advice just exist just vibe that's my (laughs) for everything just vibe and then i guess for recommendations of stuff um I really enjoyed Go For It Nakamura, which is, uh, again, the kind of, I'm tired, like Tori, I'm tired of like, okay, you're in high school. I, I was in high school over 10 years ago. I, when, why don't any of these characters pay taxes yet? Um, <laughs> but it's very, like, it's very sweet, and it took me back to a place of like, oh, I remember these feelings when I was that age. And it's only, like, a, it's a one-shot manga. It's like one volume. Uh, so I would say that. I also echo... Uh, Our Dreams at Dusk. I've only read one volume of that too, but I like what I've read and I need to get the other three volumes. Um, There is another, and I guess this is kind of going into my like problematic part, but there's a a manga and it had a short anime called uh, My Life as a High School Fudanshi or something like that. It's about a straight character. He is a straight guy, but he likes yaoi and it's like four coma style stuff and there are um, gay characters, and it's kind of like a back and forth between, like, what is fetishization, what is, uh, these characters just existing, and it's more comedic, so you do have that. There's one character I love, who he is a, uh, a very flamboyant gay character, and he's, like, you think he's a stereotype, but then he's also, like, kind of like Makoto from Sailor Moon, where it's like, oh, he's also, like, he's a chef, and he loves to cook, but he also, like, can beat up, like, Yakuza, or, like, uh, delinquent (laughs) boys who, like, try to, you know, give him shit. It's very fun. Um, and my other problematic thing I recommend is a yaoi, and I, you know, only read it if you know what it is, but it's called Sweetheart Trigger, and, like, even though there is, like, you know, scenes of an adult nature it is also about college kids who are dealing with like one character is explicitly gay and the other is like i think i might be bi and i might be into you and we're going to figure that out and it takes place in america it is written by a japanese mangaka Mm -hmm. but it takes place at an american college with american college students and i think the thing that made me love it is the guy like breaks up with the openly gay guy and he goes and he listens to lana del rey like it's in there like he is listening wow. to lana del rey <laughs> and i was like wow amazing i'm so seen and it's been officially licensed so you have no excuse to pirate it you go buy oh it now you know i feel like a total goof for not talking about makoto and my like formulative characters just her whole struggle with like um I'm kind of a tomboy, but I also Mm. like these traditionally feminine things like cooking. And as I got older, like I had that tomboy phase and I think my family was just like, okay, well, eventually we're going to get out of it. Right. But as I started getting older, like I still presented that way, but um, I found myself kind of falling into like traditionally feminine things like cooking and baking and um, crafting and, you know, those aren't traditionally feminine things but that kind of gets ingrained to us but i just felt myself kind of gravitating towards her too because she's just like i'm a little masculine but i want people to see me as cute and fun also
for our last part of this podcast, we're going to be reading some questions and comments uh, that we received from Twitter and Discord and other sources. Uh, basically, I asked people, like, if you are an LGBTQ person and you're a fan of anime, like, what is your story with it? And I've also taken questions from other people that these are things we might have covered already, but I think it was uh, good just to kind of do a retread. So uh, first we have a letter from at Tori Natsuno on Twitter. And because this is someone named Tori, I thought it'd be fun to have our own Tori read this letter for us. <laughs> um, okay, nice name, first of all. Um, so they say, just wanted to tell a story about how Sailor Moon and Car Captor Soccer have influenced me personally and a lot of kids from ex-USSR countries in the late 90s and early thousands. I hate this label, ex-USSR. I'm personally from Ukraine, but the influence of these anime uh, go beyond Ukraine, Russia, or Belarus, etc. It would be hypocritical of me to say that these shows had influence only in Ukraine. Anyway, my personal story. My family wasn't homophobic or anything. I guess the first time I heard about gays was when my father was showing me Queen's videos. Um, I'm assuming music videos. Um, so when I was watching Sailor Moon as a kid, I had seen Haruka and Michiru and was like, oh, they love each other. Okay. And then there were starlights in season five and I was like, oh, so a person can be female and male at the same time. I'm okay with that. Something like this was also in Cardcaptor Sakura and many other clamp works that I've discovered later. I was actually surprised later that there were a lot of homophobic people around who were shocked by characters from anime. I also remember after I watched those animes, I had thought that if I ever liked a girl, I would be totally okay with it. And fun thing, that it wasn't only my thoughts. People from different cities and countries that I've met later that also were growing up on the same shows as I did have exactly the same thoughts. I guess that's all I wanted to share with you guys. Thank you for your attention. Regards, Tori. That is very sweet. And I'm going to assume that you were probably younger as well when these shows were airing. And that's why I say I wish people gave kids more credit because, mm. like, it's really not hard to understand these concepts. And um, I'm glad that you were able to meet other like-minded people who made you feel, I guess I'd say, more secure in those thoughts. I think that's always really, really helpful. So our next set of questions... Uh, come from Quackbar on our uh, Third Impact Anime Discord server. So Quackbar asks, why do LGBT how why does LGBT plus culture in anime feel so detached from reality, and when do you think that will change? Um, does anyone want to field that first, or I f- I don't know because uh, oh no, I was gonna you say, probably have the same answer as me. This is another thing where I feel like it's um. I feel like an old man commenting on this because I'm so, like, unfamiliar with, like, newer anime. Because while, like, a lot of, like, older anime or anime that I watched growing up, like, has a lot of LGBT themes, I mean, they still feel... What's the word? Like, I don't even know. Like, I, I feel like it's still, like, very obvious that they're written by straight people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I lo- like, I love all of the queer characters that are in Sailor Moon, but when you look at all of them, they're all stereotypical and problematic in their own way and i remember like getting into this argument with somebody and they're like well what about yoshiki yusui the fashion designer he wasn't stereotypical i'm like hello he was a fashion designer like he was (laughs) why does the gay why does the one gay side character have to be a fashion designer 
And then there's, like, also, like, weird things, which thankfully I haven't seen too much of, but it's, like, the thing with, like, um, either, like, being gay is being seen as, like, this weird kinky perverted thing, or is, like, like married with, like, pedophilia, like you see with General Blue and Dragon Ball, mm. um, which nobody wants. So, I mean, that's... I, I think it's... It, sometimes it might feel detached because they're not in the culture they're just they're seeing what they think is um you know their truth mm-hmm. two things one we're kind of uh stuck within like time and place because one uh these are not really made for us i mean most especially older anime is not made for a western audience so we're always going to be um kind of comparing them to our ideas of of gay identity or queer identity. And I don't say, like, oh, Japan doesn't know anything. It's like, no, these are, like, Japan has its own queer community that has its own goals, values, ideas uh, that are different, not less or more, but different than our own. And we kind of have to leverage it with that. I mean, even, like, we were saying, ex-gender is a term in Japan that is not, I don't even want to say equivalent to, I would say it is comparable to how we say non-binary. There are their own ex like expectations or narratives behind that terminology that uh, might carry similarities to what we call non-binary but are still unique to that and I think there will always be that disconnect because they are just two different cultures that we will always kind Mm -hmm. of uh, have differences and um, uh, like like I am like Salvatore like I don't really keep up with a lot of modern anime most of my interests are in stuff that uh, is mostly from 2000 and below. Um, I'm the one person who can watch DigiPaint shows and not cringe. Um, but, uh, and that's kind of a temporal lock where, you know, we're always looking at things that are going to not always age perfectly. Like, every, what is what is progressive today may tomorrow be um, problematic, and that's not to say we shouldn't try, it's just that's the nature of things. Humanity is always <laughs> learning about itself and, you know, our fellow creature. So I think there's kind of that. I mean, even with Sailor Moon, I loved that there was, like, a drama CD where Sailor Moon's like, ooh, Kanzite and Zoicide are, like, in love with each other, and they're both men, and it's like Mercury, like, you know, Usagi gay people are fine. The problem with them is they're just evil. And I think that's important. <laughs> and that's very relatable. Like, what's wrong with me? It's Valid. not that I'm gay. It's that I'm just a horrible human being. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you can separate those two things, right? <laughs> Shockingly. I would say, I would just say, I don't, I don't think it's that... It's not that these shows are, I don't think it's that these shows are not made for a Western audience, because I think a lot of, I would, especially with modern anime, a lot of the time they are made with this kind of global, you know, this post-NAFTA globalist lens. Okay, I'm going to stop being from DC now. Um, I think it's just, they're inherently made with a different, cultural yeah cultural understanding they're made by different people they're made from a different place um and that stands for anything made by anyone (laughs) like no one is exactly the same as you so nothing is ever gonna i don't know i hesitate to see when nothing is i was gonna say nothing is ever not going to be an issue art is messy yeah, yeah. I mean, we make art about things precisely because they are at issue for us. So, I don't know. The concept of something not being an issue is, is uh, I don't know. That's a meaty one for me. 
So, Quack Bar's next question is, anime that make, uh, that means the most to you as an LGBT plus person? I think... Sailor Moon. Yeah, I feel like we're all just gonna be like, yeah, Sailor Moon. I don't think Sailor Moon means the most to me. I think it means something. I don't think it means the most to me. I'm gonna be a contrarian. What would you say is the one, like, or maybe another one in addition to Sailor Moon, if you can't pick one that is the most? As an adult, I think it's really stars align and also Sevazamai. Mm-hmm. Um Sevazamai I thought was a really I mean it's literally about like people being put in boxes at some level. Sevazamai is batshit. One. It's great. It's about ass eating. Um what more do you want? And is it about Ikuhara? What the kids love nowadays. <laughs> what? Yes. I said that's what the kids love nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a something that needs to be culturally apparently um it is a, it is an Ikuhara show. Um, it is an Ikuhara show. Yes. He has never confirmed his sexuality, but I would almost for that man <laughs> to have such a decent <laughs> grip on writing LGBT stories. Well, well, so Akane Kaski for Stars Align, he didn't really have any under he said in the interview, the great interview on the Anime News Network, he he didn't really have any grasp on ex-gender or kind of anything outside of mm-hmm. gay lesbian before five years ago so i think it's totally possible to 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 not identify and still mm-hmm. write meaningfully about things but I, yeah ikuhara is i don't know princess tutu man i would Wild say man. that ikuhara like whatever he's still allowed he's honorary he's allowed to be he's with fucking us. great yeah he's great <laughs> but set is very i i enjoy the um, I say, I'm going to say flirtatious, like the it kind of flirts with, it flirts with like gender and sexuality in a way that you do when you're like 13. Like that's what you, you're doing in a way you're, you're testing, you're experimenting, you're seeing what, what works for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that it gives its characters kind of room, room to do that. So as an adult, the only thing that means the, well, the only things that mean the most to me are the things that mean the most to me right now. So there we go. <laughs> uh, Quackbar's last question is, anime that you feel like has the best LGBT plus representation? I, it's weird. So I don't think it's the best LGBT representation, but I really, really, really liked Natsuko and Honey's relationship in the new Cutie Honey universe. Um because if, if, mm. so you probably know, I was not a fan of Universe at all. I literally complain about it every chance I get. Um, but I really liked how their relationship was depicted. Because I think so many people, um, they really praise Natsuko and Honey and Rikiti Honey, which I can't stand and there's not enough time in the day to get, get on about it right now. Um, but I don't know, I just, I felt like their relationship seemed very neutral and realistic in Universe. So I really liked that because it didn't seem overly fetishized, which is weird to say about cutie honey because usually everything mm. is fetishist um but i don't know it just it felt realistic and i think that's what i i thought was really good representation yeah because i i feel like every other um like i don't know every other thing is either too stereotypical or i find too many like problems with it but i don't know i really i i thought that they were they were a great couple in that and i thought that was a good representation <laughs> it's the one good thing i'll say about that show <laughs> 
So, um, Basil from the awesome cast, who, uh, made sure when he asked these questions that he, he was like, I'm straight, I don't really have an audience here, or a, a stake here, but I said, it's fine, I wanted to get questions from as many people, mm -hmm. um, because I think it's interesting to have people who are outside of our community or outside of our experiences still ask questions, um, and I think this one is important, uh, what do you look for in representation? A happy ending. <laughs> yeah. No! I think it's so hard for, yep. for gay men to find happiness in fiction uh, not even just in anime I think you know in, in all types of media you know there's so many you know Moonlight Call Me By Your Name Giovanni's mm -hmm. Room like none of them really end happily ever after um, so I would I want to look for that in, in representation it'd be nice for like gay couples to stay together and be happy <laughs> mm -hmm. um I feel like for me, I'm kind of in a privileged place to say this, but honestly, if you're not going to give it to me in a way that's natural and not like, if that is the character's only contribution to the narrative other than like being an actual person, I'd rather just not have it at all, if that makes sense. Um, I know that might be vaguely kind of problematic, but... I, I just like characters that are treated like people rather than one of their characteristics, I suppose. Like, I want them to be acknowledged. I don't want Disney to give me this, like, one-liner that they're going to censor out somewhere else. Um, but I just want thoughtfulness and understanding to go into it. I think for me... Um... I'm looking for characters, like, I am a terrible navel-gazer and that I'm always looking for myself in fiction, so I guess I'm looking for characters who, um, that I can connect with, and for me, a lot of that is characters who, they are more than just, I am the token homosexual in the cast. I mean, there are some mm -hmm. that I love, like, I love Liron in Gurren because I, I really love that statement that he says in, like, one of the first episodes, like, you know, I'm kind of a man and I'm kind of a woman. And I love that, and for me, I latched on that character specifically, because I'm like, yes, these are feelings I share, and I like seeing someone like that. And I kind of also go to, like, Yuri on Ice, which is uh, also a complicated subject. But one thing I loved about Yuri on Ice is they are a couple, but, like, the weird gender dynamics don't really play into it as much. Like, they're ice skaters. They are professional ice skaters. But it's not like necessarily like this is the man and this is the woman or okay we have to mm. buck the stereotype they're both manly men because you know mm -hmm. going in the exact opposite direction is perfect it's like no these i could i know couples who are like yuri and victor in real life where like they're both kind of gay and they're also not only gay it's like they're very realistic like i know people like that like victor is a very uh artistic like Again, an ice skater, and Yuri is not exactly the most, like, macho guy in the world and is also an ice skater, but they don't feel like... I don't know, like, I just really loved, like, they felt like a realistic couple that I could, like, know in real life, and I like that. Um, I was just gonna say in regards to Yuri on Ice, if I remember the interview correctly, uh, Sayo Yamamoto kind of tried to explain the queer baiting as if she made it any more explicit she wouldn't have gotten a decent television mm. spot like a time spot mm -hmm. and i know she works really really hard on what she does so i can kind of understand not wanting her show relegated to like five in the morning or something 
Um, not to say that yeah. that is correct for her to have done, but also, like, I can sort of maybe understand what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Victor is literally based on John Cameron Mitchell and Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like she, uh, I don't think she's doing it in a, like, in a wrong Malicious you know. way. And I could also yeah. see S- that. Subtext is bursting there. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. literally, I love in the interview, like, I almost highlighted it in my little booklet that came with the Blu-ray. Like, I went to see Hedwig and the Angry Inch and saw John Cameron Mitchell as Hedwig and said, this is the <laughs> character I want for my anime. And I, I saw oh that. I was like, I knew it and I love it like that. She's great. Just... Yeah, she's a wild lady. Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Meta. Oh, I was going to say, I am probably going to go in a different direction and say that I just want, like, messy, I don't know, I want messy LGBTQ characters, but not, like, not, like, victimized LGBTQ characters. Like, I just want to see, I don't know, this is a hard question. Why did I start answering this question? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Like, I just, I just want to see them be people and have their own, like, insecurities and, like, have their own fuck-ups with regard to their identities and sexualities and not have everything be perfect and figured out. More um, gay villains. Yeah, I don't think there's, yeah, yeah. That's all we have is gay villains. Yeah, we're swimming in gay villains, come on. I want more! I want, like, boring gay couples. I think we need to, like, yeah. be reminded that gay people can be boring. Fan fiction, man. Coffee shop AUs. <laughs> <laughs> and what about it <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, I'm thinking of like boring messiness not like I want to end the world messiness so yes. I don't I can't define messiness very well I, maybe like something like they exist more to be victimized or more to be like I'm here to teach you all. I'm all I'm here to turn yeah. around the chair and rap about queerness yeah So, yeah, in a story, like, in an original story I've been working on, you know, it's, like, one of the characters is, the the main character is, like, Buddhist. She's Buddhist. And then I was having so much trouble writing it. And at some point, you know, I was having so much trouble writing it because I studied Buddhism for, like, six years. And I, you know, was referencing books and, like, making sure that I was, like, getting it right. And at some point I was like, oh... She doesn't have to be a fucking, like, good Buddhist. <laughs> like, yeah. she can just be, like, a bad, like, shitty American, like, misreading it all, like, Western Buddhist. And that's still, like, a valuable... Yeah, that's what I... So that's kind of what I mean by messy, is just not, you know, like, propaganda. off topic and i'll be really brief i'm sorry again i can't believe none of us have mentioned pet shop of horrors throughout this entire thing <laughs> oh my god i love pet right shop of horrors me. i mean because the whole thing is it that had so many queer themes and like count d is non-binary like that that was mm. like the big reveal at the end of the manga 
hmm. like him and his him and his family. But no, that's such ah, uh, I'm so mad at myself. It's because I don't own it anymore. But yeah, that's a such an important queer manga. Uh, that's in my recommendations. <laughs> I I have only seen the OVA series, and I have like the second volume of the manga because I will. Uh, I think Austin gave it to me, but like there's a used bookstore that like it'll pop up in every so often. I'll try to get it like. As I find it. I have not read the full manga, though, but I do love Count D and Pet Shop of Horrors. It's very... Uh, I don't know if this will stay in the final edit, but kids, if it is, listen, <laughs> go watch slash read Pet Shop of Horrors. Read it before you watch it. The, the manga is better. I can't believe nobody has ever, like, relicensed it or anything. And there's, there's like, five sequels now or something. There's They've expanded it so much. But anyway, yes, Pet Shop of Horrors is fantastic. I'm sorry for the minor spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if it's very obvious, it's not really that big of a reveal. <laughs> like I think I think a, a customer calls Count D a slur within the first episode. I was like, oh, you're 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 family. <laughs> um. So the next question is: uh, When positive representation happens, how does that make you feel? Uh, and negative representation good and bad yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i yeah. mean kind of go to my like oh go ahead tori relieved for positive and then negative i at least try to like deconstruct it after the like immediate disgust <laughs> um but i mean mm-hmm. yeah good and bad is the short <laughs> there is a uh I haven't watched it yet, but, but uh, there is a an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes as an anime, and I know David Wald is in it as a bearded drag queen, and that's enough to get me into watching it, but apparently, I don't care if I spoil it because it sounds terrible, uh, they do the Jack the Ripper case, and it is a transgender woman murdering women for their wombs. I'm like, one, Black Butler did that problematic. They did that problematic storyline ten years ago, and two, that's also still horrible. What the fuck? It's like... We we've huh. we've done did Silence of the Lambs. You couldn't stop. Yeah. What show is this again? It has a very stupid title. Like it's it's like numbers, yeah. but it's like a modern adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. And like it won me with like Mrs. Hudson is now a flamboyant. It's not Sherlock Kabuki show, is it? It is. That's the name of it. Okay. Because it has like a oh. number name too. It has like three different. Yeah, names. I don't. Um, I looked at it and I was like, I'm not doing this. I, it's like I've seen, <laughs> like I've seen enough. It tries to be very edgy. I've seen enough mm. butcherings of the Sherlock canon. I'll have you know, like I, I read the original <laughs> story. Pun, pun intended. <sighs> Oh god, but yeah, things like that. Like I read that because I was reading a review for it to see if I wanted to watch it. I was like. <sighs> Okay, I'm not gonna do this. Like, tired side. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Hudson is a drag queen who's lovely is not worth dealing with the, the horrible transphobia that this person again. It has been done. We have been we have built this bridge and gotten past it. It's 2020. True. So, what are your uh, next question? What are your thoughts on the different cultural norms between the U.S. and Japan when it comes to LGBT plus things? Is there anything we can learn from Japan or them from the United States? I don't <laughs> pretend to understand other mm-hmm. countries' governments, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to act smart like I do. But one thing that stuck out to me when I was watching those comparison videos earlier is that even some of the people that were disapproving or just did not understand like they were coming from a place of ignorance for their disapproving none of them were angry like none of them were like 
I'm gonna kill all these people and they're gonna burn in hell for being gay. It was just like, yeah, I don't approve, but that's their life, I guess. <laughs> Which, honestly, I would rather have over somebody telling me that, you know, they're going to um, assault the lesbian out of me or whatever, so... I feel uh, like there's a cultural difference there, though, possibly on how direct... <laughs> That is also very true. <laughs> Any one person will be about anything. <laughs> yes, that is also very, very true. Um, but I also did notice as well that they were advocating for uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers oh. to have more LGBT mm. education. Um, whereas, like, you know, that's blasphemy here in the United States. And um, on the uh, LGBT side of the video, someone was saying that, like, I think if gay celebrities came out as gay, that people would see it as a more normalized thing. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of actually probably a good idea. Hmm. I think Western fans might do a better job to understand and support the fact that people, like Japanese people within Japan, are doing good and hard work to like mm -hmm. to make things better for LGBTQ people. Um, and not, you know, erase them utterly from their discussions of the country. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, because of my interest in Japanese media and then being a gay person, like, I've done, a, and I, I take no stance that I know I'm an expert, like, this is really just my mm. own personal interest. I've done, like, a lot of research into, like, uh, Japanese queer culture, and I think that what we should do is, like, learn and not speak. Um, mm -hmm. I actually have a huge issue that a lot of the queer material about Japan in English is coming from, like, one academic who... It's like, great, thanks. Uh, yeah. Is there anyone else? Yeah. Um, and they're usually... Yeah. yeah. He did put yeah. out one book that's literally just translations of, like, actual things from queer people. And it's a very fascinating book. It's a little old. I think it came out in, like, 2003. Um, I think just listening to the voices that come out of Japan and realize, like, it's very easy for us as people in America, especially, to kind of dominate the conversation and think that we are the, mm. that we are the arbiters of queer identity because we're the loudest. And I think, uh, by consuming media by queer people from Japan or mm -hmm. queer Japanese speakers that we are, um, and listening instead of speaking over them, I think that is where we kind of learn the empathy and also there are so many ways that non-heterosexual, non-cisgender identities are expressed and understood, and it's very much based in culture and history. And every civilization, every society has their own culture and history that are going to inform those things. And I think just embracing that difference and that, that diversity is part of it. Like, I love the idea of, like, folk genders. Like, there are genders that we cannot taxonomize in our Western ideas because they are so based in other cultures. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful that there are mm -hmm. ways of being that are kind of born out of something, like, bigger than yourself. Mm. Are you talking about, like, um... I think it's the native belief of two spirits. Things like that, yes. I mean, we could very mm -hmm. easily say, oh, well, that's this or that's that. But no, it is it is its own thing. And I think giving it that space is important. Uh, I would not identify as a two-spirit person because that is not my place to. That is something that is for those people. And I think that's important mm -hmm. to listen to that voice and to amplify that voice. 
I mean, like I said, like, ex-gender, we can roughly say it is, like, non-binary, but it, it's born out of a different set of circumstances, and I think, like, I would not say I am an ex-gender person, because I feel like that's not my identity claim. So this is from Anonymous. I figure you would have already talked about this, but if you haven't, do you have any thoughts or feelings about the MA communities in regards to LGBTQ, maybe responses to controversy or federalization, anything that comes to mind? Sorry if that's too vague. Um, I think we've kind of really well covered this topic in mm. our conversation. Um, fetishization is a very complicated topic, and we all have, I think we're of the same mind that uh, empathy is the answer to, you know, both hatred and fetishization. I don't know, I hope I'm not speaking over anybody when I say that. Mm. So this is from Tori's friend Adrienne. Uh, what are some good series involving queer characters created by queer people, aside from my lesbian experience with loneliness? Our Dreams at Dusk. My, our, our Dreams at Dusk. My, my Brother's Husband. Mm-hmm. I will add yeah. one more. I think it is created by, by a gay man. Uh, what Did You Eat Yesterday? Which is about a gay couple. Uh, and it is like about like every day the husband, one of them comes home with a new like meal to make. And so that's the, that's why it's named that. I think it has been low. And it's interesting because it's about like a man, one of them is a lawyer and one of them is a hairstylist. It's a very interesting thing. And I, it got a live action drama and I think it has been licensed, but I don't know by who, but I'm pretty sure if you were to Google it, uh, I think it at least got like an ebook release. So I would look it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are more out there that we're just not aware of because not every author or artist feels comfortable disclosing their identity. So mm-hmm. who knows? We could have read something that is potentially and just not known. And our last set of questions come from Bookshachi on Twitter. Uh, what are some aspects of being LGBTQ plus that you think are underrepresented underrepresented in anime that you would like to see more titles explore? I would just like to see a more normalized. I think that like all of the queer or most of the queer characters I've seen, like the, it's kind of like that's their defining feature is that they're queer. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be nice to just like watch a show where like you know there's a gay couple and they're they're just a couple. They're not seen as a gay couple, um, or you know less like being the butt of the joke or being. Um, overly sexualized because that was like a big Mm -hmm. thing in in sailor moon is that like all of the gay characters were all either very like sexual or they were like overly affectionate that you know like like you have haruka and michiru like making comments about like you know no more bed talk or all Mm -hmm. that it's but it's like no heterosexual couple talks like that in the show yeah i think having lgbtq identity not be a plot point but still be present is great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't need to be, like, it, it seems that if there is an LGBTQ character, they're either, it's either the entire focus of the show, or it's kind of this, like, lately it's it's not a joke, but it's not not a joke. <laughs> yeah. So it's very quickly written off. So yeah, just seeing it there, but not made a big deal of would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's kind of some of the sentiments that I was expressing earlier, but mm-hmm. for me personally, I think um, some of the more, I don't know how to refer to them as, but some of the, I don't, I don't feel right saying niche, but some of the other sexualities, I feel like we get a lot of stories about 
lesbian couples or gay couples or trans couples or people, but um, further identities don't necessarily really come to light. And I feel like as somebody who might not necessarily um, know somebody that identifies that way or um, quite might not understand the dynamics of that identity, I'd be interested to see somebody who would be a content creator who does identify that way, kind of bringing that into a story. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what sexuality to give as an example, but I think maybe you kind of understand where I'm going. Yeah. And one thing you point out, like, also there's a huge emphasis on, like, couples. Like, a gay couple, yes. a lesbian couple, or, like, someone mm-hmm. in a relationship with a transgender person. It's never just, like... Or rarely it's them on their own, unless it's a joke. Like, oh, this is our token person to, like, laugh at, and that's their only trait. But never, like, oh, they're single, they're not necessarily with someone, and it's, like, a side thing. Like, oh, they're also gay. Like, or they're also (laughs) trans. It's always, like, that's their entire personality, or they're with another person to make it also their entire personality. Um, It's that weird, like, queer people only exist in relation to other people because it's about, like sexuality or how other people perceive your gender identity or expression mm-hmm. there always has to be an audience to play off of to exist in a weird way yeah so uh the last question we have thankfully <laughs> is uh what are some moments or characters that just absolutely nailed it for you like yes this show gets it gets in all caps you <laughs> in stark's alone that's <laughs> It's my constant. I mean, do they mean like scenes that we identified with, or just like series or scenes that like were um, proper presentation? Or I think that one. Yeah, I think it's kind yeah. of like what when what was something that really clicked for you? I mean, one of the things that drew me into MW was um, seeing uh, Father Garai's guilt every time he would have sex and he, <laughs> with Yuki, and he would just, he'd always be over dramatic. He goes, oh, oh God, please judge my soul. I know I'll, be, I'll burn forever, um, but would continue to have sex with Yuki and then also continue to do other horrible things like help him commit murders and just be like, well, you know, it's in God's hands. Um, maybe not the murdering <laughs> part I identify with, but I remember like that weird guilt because I was, I was raised Catholic, not like heavily or anything. But, like, I had, like, a weird guilt about being gay, and I, that was probably, like, a big part of it. Uh, there was also a scene um, in Stop Hibari-kun um, where Kosakun and Hibari, they had to pretend to be a couple to trick someone, and they were going to pretend to kiss, and Hibari, like, breaks down crying and just says, like, you know, I know that I'm actually a boy, but I, I don't want to pretend to kiss you, I actually want to kiss you, and... I remember being a teenager being like, oh shit, that's that's me, that really hurts. Like, you know, so I don't know if that answers it, but yeah. <laughs> For me, it was not in an anime, but it wasn't an anime musical, so I think that counts. Um, <laughs> in the Sailor Moon Supers musical, the one from the 90s, there's a scene where the Amazon trio are hanging out after meeting Usagi and her friends in the Amazon bar, and Fisheye goes, oh, Mamoru, this guy is my type. I want to go after him. And they're like, what? Aren't you a boy? And Fisheye, who is also played by a woman, it's very weird, goes, yes, I'm a boy and I like other boys. What of it? Um, 
And uh, that was just like, wow, just galaxy brain. And uh, yeah, I, I cite that moment as like a very important moment. Mm. Like this very 90s, very kitschy musical where Fisheye, played by a woman, goes, I'm a boy and I like other boys. Like, do you want to fight about it? Um, and has Is that the one where everyone was played by, like, a woman played everyone? Uh, I mean, all of the Sailor musicals are very like that, but no, this, this was, uh, only, I think, only Tiger's Eye and, uh, Tuxedo Mask are the only male actors in that one, I think. Um, but yeah, in the, they did a very similar story in the newer one where it is a Takarazuka style, all-female cast. Mm, um, that's what it is. I would say that moment, and then there's this really terrible. Okay, it's not bad, but no one remembers it. Anime from 2004 called Doki Doki School Hours, and there is a gay <laughs> character who he gets a nosebleed every time he's near his crush, and it's very dumb and cute. And I liked that when I was in high school. So that, there you go. <laughs> minor sad. On on the note of minor sad, I think we've kind of hit the end of our show. So I want to thank. Uh, Salvatore and Meta for being on and, you know, really getting into the nitty-gritty of what it means to be LGBTQ in the anime fandom in 2020. So, I'm going to start with Meta. Um, where can people follow you, and what are the projects you're working on that you want to plug? Oh, man. People can follow me um, at Meta and Potatoes. It's like meat and potatoes, but Meta and Potatoes. Um, on Twitter, and I think also Tumblr, but I don't use Tumblr anymore. Don't go there. Um, so right now, <laughs> right now, in addition to, you know, like 1400 writing projects, I am working on the Onigiri Mia fanzine, which is a cookbook focused on Inarizaki and uh, other volleyball players from the Haikyuu anime and manga. And you can find more information about that at Onigiri Mia dot card with two r's dot co and that's onigiri like the rice ball and mia m-i-y-a um please buy it when it comes out and please read my stories when i post them on twitter my first one is being published next month congratulations thank you that was very long i'm doing a lot (laughs) and salvatore where can people find you and the stuff that you're making um, I'm on most social media platforms under RetroSofa, um, except for on Instagram because someone stole that name um, <laughs> before I got to Instagram. Um, <laughs> on Instagram, I am RetroSofa.inc, that's I-N-C, um, but on Twitter, Tumblr, I'm RetroSofa. Um, I am on Tapas, you can read my comic on there, No More Mermaids, um, so it's just it's Tapas, T-A-P-A-S dot I-O slash RetroSofa. Um, in addition, I'm also working on projects with Discotech Media. I have a few series that I'm doing the subtitle editing for. Um, and I actually have my comic got picked up by an Italian publisher, so I'm working on that too. So. Congrats. Thank nice. you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tori, where can people find you? I am over on Twitter, at WorstWaifu, usually <laughs> screaming about anything I'm doing at one given moment. It's good. That's very you. <laughs> I have no projects other than making crafts in my bedroom alone, so. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Kalvakun, that is C-A-L-V-A underscore K-U-N, and you can find me at the same name on Instagram, just without the underscore, because 
I don't know why. <laughs> and I don't have anything like anime related because the only thing I'm working on getting published is a dumb literary analysis for a book written in the 1890s that no one cares about. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, I want to thank our guests, Meta and Salvatore, for being on uh with us today and I will make sure to link all of their creative projects in the show notes so that you can find them and support them with that thank you for listening to this podcast and listening to us complain about our sad gay lives